Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What is right there? What's up, What's going on, Hardy? Welcome to the show, brother. Recorded live. Thank you for having me. Mike, check one, two. What is this? Yeah, yeah, you know what? You're getting sloppy over there. You binge watch 40 episodes of Mushroom <laughs> Your brain, your I'm brain stuck, is like Mushroom I'm still stuck in Winterfell, you lad. I'm in the walls, Doc. Listen, listen what's good? Don't break, just, just make sure you don't break out in, in some kind of strange Valerian tongue over here. You you reek of Hungarian filth. <laughs> What up, so, what up, what up, what up, what up? How many how many days and counting, Doc? Ten. Man. Ten. Man. Ten. Ten more days to go. What's poppin', man? What's poppin'? What's good? What's good? Ten we days. Have, we, have, we have, right now on the, on the call, we have uh, Roberto Flack, we have Coltrane from GYGB, and we have ROD from GYGB, along with yours truly, Doc's VOX. And we, we, we like, like I was saying earlier, we have a very interesting show because, you know, like, you know, boxing, for us degenerates, it's not just something you just turn on, turn on the TV on a Saturday night and just, just watch. It, it, it's a lot of dialogue. It's a lot of back and forth. It's a lot of uh, opinion. It's a, it's a lot of talk because our, our sport is a passion. It's, it's one that's the right. It, it, it's, it, it's so passionate being a boxing fan that you can't help but inject that into your personal daily life. So um, it sounds like someone else just logged in. Uh, you want to identify yourself? Yeah, this is CT from uh, L.A. What's up, CT? How y'all brothers doing this evening? We're doing good. We're Hold doing on, good. Man. Oh, man, just got here and just walked in the house, and I said I had to get home in time so I could chat with you fellas. Really appreciate what you do. Thank you, man. Thank you. So we're gonna we're gonna have a very uh, a very detailed breakdown, and we're gonna recap some of these fights that we had on over the weekend. So to get into it, uh, we, we we we're trying to make sure we stick to this and 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 go through it in in, in a timely manner. So Saturday's cards, we had two we had two great cards. We had a card on the, on HBO, which was Terrence Crawford versus Thomas DeLorme, and this was this is very interesting because this is uh, Terrence Crawford moving up to 140 for the first time, and he fought for the vacant w, WBO Super Lightweight uh, title, and we all know how that ended. So that ended in a six-round TKO, and, you know, he put 140 on notice. So I, w- I want to I talk to you guys, and let's get, I want to get some of your some, – some of uh, I want to get your take on what you thought about uh, Terrence Crawford's uh, – First day, uh, debut at 140. He looked good. I'm sorry, good. There's already, already. What you think? What you thought about it? <clears throat> he looked good, man. I mean, you know, at, at first, you know, everybody, you know, everybody was sitting here and 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 probably like myself thinking in thinking in your head, like, wow, are we on upset watch, you know, because you know it was like. 
we kind of got, you know, lowered in into, like, his, you know, inactivity. And, um, you know, what wound up happening was we wound up, Roy Jones said it best. He said, while Jerome was doing work, Crawford was doing boxing things, and he was just taking his time to read his opponent, you know, in terms of in terms of turning it up and getting a W. And to be honest, man, the combinations he put together, you know, it, it was a very, very, very good showing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I, I agree, I man. Like he, um... hello. Yeah, I don't know. Just, oh. Something just happened where it's muting, unmuting. Okay, no, you, you're good. You're good, brother. Sorry about that. No, that's cool. That, that's all I was going to say was just that, you know, it just it looked like it was just one, you know, we were on upset watch at first, but he looked very, very good. He looked very, very sharp, put good punches together. I liked his energy. I like, you know, I liked how poised he was, you know, so that's all I got to say. I liked how poised he was at that, at that class. I, I really do. Yeah, and, yeah, and that, that that's a great word, Roberto. No, yeah, I mean, I agree. I agree with Ryder. It's it's he's. I was talking to somebody today about it. Like he's very like when you talk about guys when uh, that that you can like classify as throwback fighters. Like the way he fights, man, is kind of like now. The funny part was I was texting uh, Coltrane because I missed that first, like the first like three four rounds of that fight because I was at a wedding. But you know, I finally caught up to it and watched like. The thing about him, man, that's kind of funny is like yeah, he sometimes he starts a little slow and he kind of sticks his neck out there a little bit to kind of bait these guys in. And but then like when you see him turn it on, it's like wow, man! Like there's a lot of dimensions to his game, man, that we're starting to really see in every fight, you know. And I like the fact that like you know you want to be careful and everything, but it's like he he understands that at the same time, he's got to catch the attention of the audience. You know what I mean? And I think him approaching, you know, fights this way, it's like, it's just, again, like, you're on a big stage and you've got to gain the attention of the audience. And, I mean, that it was, I mean, a great performance by him. And now it's just, you know, what does he go from, you know, what does he do from here? You know I mean? Obviously, he's, he's made a name for himself. And he, he did get the, the, the WBO title he got, right? That's what, that was the... Yep, it was for the vacant title. Well, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, now he's a champion, you know, or a title holder. So the thing about it too that that's interesting is he's a he uh his thirty five strap was also a WBO, so he's keeping yeah he's he's staying in, in line with the WBO section. Right, right. Uh, I mean, he looked good, man. I mean, did they, I mean, it's like you said, Ryder Dye was touching on, like the the combinations he was throwing. Uh, I mean, he's got pop at one hundred and forty. I mean, we know that, so. You know, it's just really now that you know the next step. And you know, we always talk about one of the one of the uh, things that we always mention is uh, championship behavior. That is something that always is, is, is vital to a fighter of his ilk. Mm-hmm. So we always we, one thing that was very noticeable was that he stayed patient. You know what I mean? He didn't, yeah. He waited for that KO. He could have been reckless. He could have said, you know, this is my first uh, my first time at 140. I want to be exciting. I want to I want to put on a show for the fans. I'm going to go all out. I'm going to show them my power carries one division higher. He didn't do all of that. You know, he, he, right. he, he bit his time. Uh, he let, he let Delorme do what he was doing and he never, uh, he, he maintained his poise. He stayed very calm and, and, and was the consummate professional in making sure that he stuck to his game plan. And I think those are the things that 
will separate him moving as he moves forward into you know with his career. That's what's going to separate him from the the contenders because he's behaving like a champion, and that's that's key when you look at a fighter, a, a, a fighter that's as young as he is that he has this much poise. I think that's going to going to be something that's going to be very vital for his development. Train, you want? Yeah, you have yeah. anything to add about him? Yeah. Well, real quick, I mean, uh, I agree with whatever, what everyone is saying. Um, well put, gent. Um, one of the things that that I, what I loved about him is kind of alluding to what you just said, Docs, is that you know, as a you know, a football fan, um, you know, I love when teams pound the rock, they run the ball, they run the ball, they run the ball, and what that does is it set up play action, um, and the defense bites on the run, and everybody freezes the safeties and the corners and the receivers are running by the secondary, and you take the top off the defense, as they call it. And that's pretty much what he did on Saturday night. He took the top off of uh, Delorme. Uh, he set him up. He was grinding him uh, just with basic boxing, uh, lateral movement, uh, uh, straight movement. Uh, Delorme, you know, thought he had him dead to rights, and he was patient. You know, he carried out a game plan. You, you saw Delorme leaning and lunging uh, the entire night. And there was opportunities there for uh, Crawford to take advantage of early on. But, again, as I made the football analogy on, uh, he just wanted to catch him in a moment, and it happened. And this guy was a lightweight, you know, a super lightweight, whatever. No, he's a lightweight, pardon me. Now he's a super lightweight. And for him to do what he did at 140, just come up and just knock a guy flat out like that, that speaks volumes. You know, this isn't just a guy that – is going to lure you to sleep with, uh, even though I appreciate that kind of boxing, but, you know, in order to cross over into that next lane, he's going to be a star strictly based on his boxing abilities. He's already a budding star in his hometown, but the fact that he's knocking guys out, you know, knockout sell tickets, and he's doing right. it without getting bloody. You know, that's the um, thing. That, that's, and that's the no, thing, you know. I can't, you know, I just keep, go ahead, Roberto. I just can't, like, just negate that factor. You know, he's knocking guys out and he's boxing. It's a rare I mean, combination. Right. That's, I mean, that's what I was saying. Like, he's, he's somewhat of a throwback fighter in a way where, you know, when you look at some guys even more today, where, where it's like they're either one thing or they're the other. And, like, you, you've seen early and even earlier fights with him, like, he could box. But he understands that to sell tickets, you got to turn it up a little bit. But he still has it like in his mind that you know he's not going to get reckless. He he's going to read his opponent. He, he he understands what he has in front of him. But you know, just just like some fighters in the past, it's like they couldn't get over that notch maybe because they just fought a little too careful or what have you. Like he's kind of like a mix of both. And you know, like I I mean, from now on, man, like. I, oh, oh and, I mean, not taking off a topic, but I mean, did you guys catch on the the two days thing that they had with him, where he was like cutting to like one thirty five, where like he barely made the weight fighting a uh, Beltran? No, I missed the two days. Um, but enlighten us, what happened on there? Well, well I mean, it's just it, like I just think like the more he goes up in weight, man, I think he's just gonna get stronger. That's yeah, why okay. I, I see him I going you. up to one forty. He was just like I, I, it's like I'm not surprised. You know, you know, of the outcome, and, and granted, some people were talking about like you know, Delorme's chin is suspect, whatever. I mean, at the end of the day, though, you, I mean, you have to give credit where credit is due, and well, Delorme just be, you know, and to Delorme uh, credit, he just beat Hank Lundy. I mean, it was yes, like that kind of right. could have went either way. He was a prospect at one point in time too, and right, right, 
you know, and, and, it was a good start. And, and then on top of that, you know, if I, if I can interject, you know, two things. Number one is whoever said Dormay Chin was bad, he only been knocked out one time. Yeah, right, exactly. And, so and, then, and, then on top, and then on top of that, you know, the other thing, and, and Coltrane had touched on this, and I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but, like, as we were looking at the division, um, Terrence Crawford's older than Adrian Broner. Mm-hmm. Um, not that like, he matters, but he's, what, he's on the What do we talk on about when we, I'm sorry, when we talked about Earl's? Remember, me and you talked about the Andre Ward module? Bring him along right, okay, slowly. Yep. You know yep. what I mean? Like, yep. and look at the results of the guys that got brought along slowly versus the guy. I can go down a slew of guys that was rushed. Fernando Vargas, uh, Adrian Broner. You know what I'm saying? When these guys are rushed into stardom and, and, and too much too soon. Cole yeah, Frank, there's, no co- there's no coincidence that he's a top-ranked fighter, and that's one of one. That's If you really examine top ranks business model when the fighters right. that's what it is mm-hmm. they bring them bring them along slowly versus you know some of the other rival promoting companies so that that that's that's something to note already i think you were still you were still making your point right no i was just saying that he's closer to uh you know the 30 than we than we all really imagine but you know again um you know i'm just looking at the division in itself and i'm gonna be honest man he's he could probably beat everybody in the division. Well, well, speaking of 140, and, and let's stay here. <laughs> Perfect segue, right, we're, Doc? We're talking about it. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the the second fight on that card, which was actually a, a split location in uh, uh, somebody's car is in the background. Um, <laughs> this, fight, <laughs> this fight, uh, the second fight of that card, which is a split location, it, it took place in Verona, New York. It was uh, the one that we we all thought was going to be the fight of the year, and it looked up to the hype. A lot of dynamite, uh, and I, I'll let you guys really get into it because this fight really it it, it begs it begs it, 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 call, it calls for discussion. So we had Lucas Matisse, Lucas Matisse, who we last saw against Danny uh, Garcia and Ruslan Provotnikov. And the fight ended uh, in a majority draw. It was 114-114, and then two other judges had it 115-113. And this was a fight at 140, and we all thought it was going to be the fight of the year, and it was it was bonkers. So who, who wants to address uh, this fight? Who wants to talk about this first? I, I get it. You know, it, it was a majority decision. The one thing that we all did, you know, let's talk about, like, uh, you know, pre-fight, you know, we go back to um, how most people thought. Let's go back to, like, what Teddy Atlas thought, that he didn't have, like, the testicular fortitude to beat a Parodnikov. You know, we're talking about Matisse. You know, hey, he didn't have the heart, and, you know, a lot of people were picking him to get knocked out, including myself. You know, I actually thought that um, Matisse, uh, you know, would get touched, and, you know, we always talk about, you know, how boxers or the great ones, sports athletes, they always make adjustments, man. I'm not saying this guy is great by no stretch of imagination, but if you would have told me that this guy would have been fighting backwards and throwing combinations and would have been, you know, winning this fight, I told I told Docs in the second round, I said, Pradnikov face like a brake light. It was so red. It looked like a stop sign. And I'm just sitting here with all these combinations this guy's going to hit with. I just could not believe what I was seeing. It was a very good fight, but I just couldn't believe the adjustment that Lucas Matisse made. And, you know, had he 
I, I'm just wondering what would have happened if he'd have fought this way in that Danny fight. So that you know, that's all I really, I really had to say about that fight. It was a very action-packed fight. You know, it was like one of those. It was one of those those fights. It really needed, you know, it was like going to the movie and not really need dialogue, like sort of like snakes on a plane or something like that. You know, just all action. Really didn't need a script. It was a really good fight. I felt like, um, you know, Matisse proved a lot of us wrong, including myself. You know that, you know. He was just not. He was just going to come there to be the sacrificial lamb, and it was, you know, it was just going to be action packed when when he did it, and he he did totally opposite. He came in and he he made an adjustment, and you know, shout out to him for really making that adjustment, and you know, he really he really showed that he was just more than just a knockout artist. You know, um, I was impressed. I was I was greatly impressed by the job he put on against Prognikov that on Saturday. What adjustment did you did you see? <laughs> what the hell was that? That's the vampire. That's the vampire. He's like Matt not. Stark, like speaking from the clouds right now. <laughs> oh, we're all in the studio. I thought I thought exactly the same as a uh, ride or die. I thought I I didn't I never expected the second gear like the the adjustment that I really saw. Like I, well, I guess you're talking about the initial adjustment of him actually. Boxing and turning him, right. I thought his will would be broken, and I thought he was going to run out of gas. And it was it was pretty early, about the fourth round. He started taking these breaths, these deep breaths. I was like, "Here we go." I was like, "I thought he was going to break down and eventually run out of gas." But somewhere around, I, th- I believe it was the seventh, he caught that second win, and it, and he really shocked me. Like he took he caught a second win, got back on the game plan. You know, through combinations and moves, and you know, I was very impressed. Like this is probably the second time this year. You know, I was probably caught. I'm not going to say totally off guard because uh, Keith Thurman is another one. You know, his performance uh, earlier in the year. You know, where these guys actually stuck to a game plan, and I thought these guys didn't have the mental fortitude that you know to, to possibly sustain you know the, the game plan for 12 rounds and the fact. That uh, Matisse has been, you know, he's been touching the canvas lately. I just thought he was right for the picking, you know. So, um, you know, I was proved wrong. Yeah, and you were, and you know, what's crazy. The other thing is that he he had the nerve to like kind of use his length, you know, whatever that was, you know, against you know Prognikov, who was who was smaller than him. It was, it was just like when you asked me what adjustments he made, it was just the the boxing thing that I was just shocked about, like just. The angles, the, you know, moving backwards, moving out the way, using a jab. I was just like, "What is this?" Like, how about this, Ryder Die? He was doing the uh, Bernard Andre Ward. He was crashing into him with his shoulder. Ah, ha ha ha! That's he was crowding point. him and not allowing him to get those yep. shots off because he was getting uh-huh. to him. That he was, was doing that from round one. He was he that was, was the he, he let off combos, then he would crash into him with his shoulder. You know what I mean? So um, he couldn't get. Counter shots off, and I thought that was very impressive. That's what Danny did to him. Danny tied him up and clinched him. I thought that was kind of ironic how kind of what Danny did to him, he did to Provotnikov. Like, it's funny because, you know, we always have these debates all the time, and it's just funny how things come full circle, and people complain about clinching and holding. You know, you and I talk about this all the time and how clinching is a part of boxing. You know, and it's one of the thing. It's one of the best things you can do to disrupt 
a guy like a Provotnikov or a guy like Margarito. Now, the same way Shane did the Margarito, he tied him up all night. And you saw that on Saturday night. And to me, the movement and the clinching was, was to me, was the, the X factors in the fight. I mean, it, it disrupted Provotnikov, the crowd, when he crowded him and, and held him. That was the difference to me. And the, the interesting, that, I was going to say, the interesting thing is that part of his allure is that he has dynamite on both hands. Mm-hmm. And he caught everybody by surprise, but he caught had, all of came them. out and, and, and added another dimension besides being a puncher to beat a fighter like Provotnikov, who we all know has one gear, and that's always forward. So already you have. You, uh, I know you, had, you wanted to add something else, but no, I was just saying. Time. I was just saying it's just shot. I'm just really still in shock, man, because I just. I'm just still sitting here saying, you know, when it's a shame because when everybody picked uh, Danny to kind of die, I remember never forget everybody's picking Danny to die in that fight against Matisse, and it was just like the total opposite, where Danny was just like putting on a clinic. And giving him angles and everything like that, and I right, was just wondering, right, right. And I was just wondering what would have happened if this Matisse showed up in that Danny fight. That's all I've been thinking about for the past two days. Like, what happened if um, they showed up in the Danny? Well, you fight? know, you know, Matisse, Matisse got got thumb in the eye early too in that Danny fight. So you know, the, 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 that second round actually, I'm not saying that's the, that's the entire. To be honest, I gotta watch that fight again. For it. Yeah. So, but while we still here. Uh, we have, we have we have Southern California on the line who logged in earlier. Uh, I think his name is CT. Right, uh, Doc. Are you there? Yes, sir. I'm here. So, what, what, did, did you watch the fight this weekend? I did. And uh, to quote Fo- Floyd Mayweather, if I may, skills pays the bills. <laughs> you, have to, you have to give Matisse all the credit because he displayed. Uh, a, a, a deep arsenal of boxing skills that a lot of us didn't know he had. And Parotnikov, as tough as he may be, it just goes to show you when you don't have the skills, a boxer can really take advantage of the person who comes forward. Um, I think that uh, Batiste is somebody to be reckoned with at 140. I, it would be an interesting matchup to see him and someone like Terrence Crawford. Mm. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the fight they want to explore, or I've been hearing they want to explore. What? But I don't know if Terrence is ready for that right now. I wouldn't rush him into, like you just said earlier, about rushing yeah. him into fights. I think that would be too 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 much of a physical or rough fight for him at this stage in his career. Feeding you know what? Um, CT, CT is your name, right? Yeah. CT, yeah, this is ride or die. You know what? I would agree, but I'm looking at the division. I think Terrence Carver may be, you know, more prepared than we than we think, man. I mean, uh, yeah, he, I agree with that. He, I agree with that too. Yeah, he he might be a little bit more prepared than we than we think, man. I just looking at it. Some of the names are Danny Garcia, mm-hmm. Jesse Vargas, Lamont Peterson, Adrian Broner, Paragnikov. Well, Danny's um, going to forty-seven. He 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 came out and said he's going to forty-seven. Well, I think one thing we we have to put into perspective too, though, is like we have to like look at the reality of how you know certain matches are really not going to be made because of you know promotional issues. So, as it stands right now, Golden Boy and Top Rank will work together, and that's kind of like the feasible way that that fight will be made, but. I mean, the, that's the thing. That's the thing. The 140 division is stacked with guys there, but it's really mm-hmm. like 
what matchups are really going to get made as far as like a realistic matchup that is going to garner like serious attention. I mean, like Matisse Crawford to me is HBO world championship boxing main event. Um, but, you know, I'm trying to think of what other guys can, you know, make for a fight that they can realistically make without there being like, you know, the obvious issues. <laughs> uh, Algeria versus Crawford. Algeria's at 147. He's moving. Well, he's playing Algeria. Right? Yeah, he's fighting Khan, Khan in May, May 20 or something. Oh, he doesn't have. Yeah. He, he doesn't have. A, he doesn't have enough arsenal to, to hang with those guys. He's very limited. Yeah. Uh, Algeria. I mean. Yeah, Algeria. Yeah, Algeria's just cashing in on some success off that Provotnikov fight, but he's not yeah. at that level. So, 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 hate on the guy, man. <laughs> so let me ask you this: If I put so right now, if if I'm top rank, and I, you know, we all think that. Lamont, a lot of people think that you know that Lamont Peterson fight could have went either way. I put you in with Terrence Crawford. Let's just say we work together. We're going, but I put you in with Terrence Crawford. How y'all had that fight going? That's to me like the go ahead, Big uh, Mike. Big, go ahead, Big Mike. I think do a Terrence Crawford versus um, Peterson. Yep. I just think that's they're the same type of fighter. I think that's a boring fight. That's yeah, I don't think that fight would happen because yeah, of that. yeah I, I was going to say know, that. And I don't think I don't think you know I don't you know I don't know about Terrence um, Crawford's power at you know sustained power at forty seven or 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 forty. Um, I know he looked good against um, Delume, but um, I you know I, I, those are the same type of fighters to me. Except um, Crawford seems a little bit more skilled, a little bit more patient, and uh, and more and more technical, but. I would like to see Crawford fight like a slugger or like somebody, you know, who could who could change the game with one shot. I think that would be an exciting fight between Crawford and somebody like that. How about uh, Brandon uh, Reels and Peratnikov? They're gonna make that fight. Oh, I heard. I heard yeah, that's a, that's a great. That's a great retirement. What, what does it say that again? Brandon Reels versus who? Peratnikov. I'm going to tell you like this. At, oh, yeah. at that's, the end of that fight, another, that's, that's fight somebody... Fight, that's another train wreck. That's another train yeah. you know, wreck. You know what? At the end of that, that fight, somebody's going to be donating some um, organs at the end of that fight. That, that, that fight is... Yeah, that, that, I told you that's a that retirement fight, party. That fight is what you call loser leaves town. But Brad right. Bird... But the Brandon Brandon doesn't have the power. He has the yeah, chance, but he doesn't have the power. I heard on the Stand street, Brandon doesn't have a whole lot of power. He doesn't. Yeah, that's a good point. But he's busy. He's very busy. And he has resilience. Well, he will hang right. in there, you know. His reserve yeah, he'll is crazy, hang in there, man. So, I just I, think it's a good fight because they're both on the tail end of where they're going. So that's why so I we'll, think it's so even more Let's advance this to the second, uh, the second fight. That actually, the second network, which was uh, Showtime, they had another. They had oh, another gosh. card. Oh boy! They had, uh, <laughs> the first fight on that card was Mir Imam versus Walter Castillo. That was a unanimous decision. Amir Imam had uh, the cards was ninety nine, ninety one, one hundred ninety, ninety eight, ninety two. That was a ten round fight, and you know he did what he was supposed to do. I don't know how many people saw it, but it was it was a pretty cool, pretty pretty good showing for a young fighter. And skipping over that to go to the the main event, we saw a hundred and seventy five pound showdown between Chavez Jr. versus Andrew Fumfara. And this was uh, Junior's first full array at, at 175, which was, and he, it was a catch weight. And this is uh, this is an interesting fight. So uh, it was uh, it ended, he retired at the end of the ninth round. He saw the first knockdown of his career happen in the ninth round. Also, 
And at the time of stoppage, the cars were 80, 89, and two cars, 81 to 88. In favor but he was of winning, Farrell. though. But he was winning. Tomfaro was winning, not Junior. No, so, but Junior was but Junior was winning. That's what he said. He said he was winning the fight. is always better than reality. To quote, <laughs> oh, to quote the uh the legendary author Charles Charleston Barkley, semantics. So I'm gonna let I'm gonna let my brother Sleep get the first crack at it since he he spent he spent many he spent he spent some time south of the border hanging out in some of those uh Cartel, cartel party. Chavez sleeps. A, he's 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 on the show. He's a fan of Chavez <laughs> as well. So, I, I mean, I mean, it gets to a point, and I turned to, I turned to this fight midway directly after <laughs> we all did after the Provodnikov fight, and, I, and it's like I didn't even need to record it to know what was going no. on in the fight. <laughs> I watched Junior with his head in his chest. Trying to get away where he got away with three weight classes ago when he was bigger than everybody and doing it with a guy who was too big that he couldn't hurt. He looked like he wasn't training. And I don't want to disrespect the man, but the man disrespects the sport. I truly believe that he just seemed like he came in from a night of partying and thought he was going to be able to take care of this guy by out-muscling him. And uh, the tactics just won't work at this weight He's only at this weight because I don't, I don't think I think he the training with the seriousness to fight at. Uh, where do you think this guy should be fighting at? Uh, 60, 68? I mean, he should be somewhere where he could be respectable and where he can actually use his method, you know, to his madness, which is trying to wear you out and go to your body. But um, you know, I I just think I think Junior. You know, might play with the uh, you know the white snow a little bit. He just has every. He just reminds me of a frat boy, man. Like just somebody who just comes in there, and then you know I, I like to call them biffs. You know, they just come in there and they think they can you know handle their business under any circumstance. <laughs> now the thing about Junior that that to me is a little disappointing is that he actually showed some promise. Like he debuted at forty. And then he 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 kind of made a name for himself at 47 and at 54. And I remember early on in his career, granted, I mean, I know I know he's trading on a family last name, and, and, that, and that's a hell of a it's a lot of pressure to live up to when you're a Chavez Jr. So early on, he actually showed somebody to come off like saying, uh, uh, perhaps he was going to be a solid solid fighter. And you know. I don't know what fight it was where he fell in love with his power. He probably got an early stoppage, and then after after that, every fight from there on out was basically Junior coming in trying to get everybody out of there in two or three rounds. And well, his body developed, and he, and it was kind of you can kind of see where he got away from the things that was actually making him a, a somewhat decent fighter. Where if he would have kept that up. He would have actually, you know, would enjoy some success. But R.O.D., you got something you wanted to add? No, it, it was just crazy because I go back to something. I don't know if it was Big Mike that said it a couple of weeks ago where, um, you know, we were talking about um, how some of these guys get sheltered by their promotional companies, you know. And, you know, then when they fight somebody that's, that's you know, same, maybe a little bit bigger or got more skills, they wind up getting exposed. And telling sign was Chavez Sr., from my understanding, they always, like, you know, kind of check in to see if 
Junior should be fighting this type of fighter. And he didn't want Chavez Jr. to fight this guy as a comeback fight. I mean, if you look at this guy's, you know, record, um, he knocked down um, Superman, you know, had him hurt in the ninth round. So this guy was nothing to play with. You know, he was playing with he was playing with dynamite coming back from, you know, a layoff to fight this guy. So I just believe that, you know, not only would uh Sleep said about Biff, shout out to um, Back to the Future, you know, that um You caught that. Yeah. I, I like that, see? Ah, you got bars. <laughs> but yeah, what happened was, you know, he he not only, you know, met a Biff but what also you know, or became a Biff, but what also happened was it was a situation where all that weight class stuff, them putting them in with smaller type of prey so he can just look like, you know, the, the, the dude, it finally caught up to him. And he wound up messing around with a guy that was that was a stick of dynamite, you know, and wound up blowing up in his hand, you know. And I think that's what happened really on Saturday, you know. You know, of course, his, his, his lifestyle outside of the ring, but also that whole promotional thing where they were just trying to slowly bring him along have him feast on little people, you know, knowing that he really didn't have that, you know, the skill set, you know, of his father, you know, just having him, you know, just having him saying, you know, kind of building a reputation off of the name alone and not really off of his skill and having him feast on these these smaller people, it just wind up backfiring against him when he fought this guy that was 6'2", a light heavyweight, even at a catchweight, and this guy had some pretty good skill. It, it, you know, Fofara did everything right. Fofara had a, a, a determined jab. Every everything was deliberate. Everything had conviction behind it. And I think what happened is when you when you meet a fighter like that, all of the gimmicks and all of the, you know, I, I'm the A side fighter. I'm the house fighter. At some point, that sees working, and, and, and you know, you really get exposed. And I think that, that that's something that we all talked about, and, and we feel like he got exposed and. Now, where would go? Because if you look at his post fight comments, well, one of the gentlemen, guest number eight on a on, on a on a chat room here, he wanted us to talk a little bit about his uh, concussed demeanor at the end of the fight, where he felt like he won the fight. You know what happens? What happens? What happens to Chavez Jr. now? Like you know, we saw he's definitely not a, a seventy-five pounder. If you go back to sixty-eight, does he need? We need to address the uh, mental state. Where, where, where we at with this? Just want to say something. Another frame of reference is Chet from Weird Science, and you saw how he ended up <laughs> in the little movie. Oh, yes. That was a cool trade movie. Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so, so what happens now? We'll move forward. What, what, what does Chavez Jr. do? How does he uh, Power doo-doo. That's it. I think he has to retire. I don't think he has the mental and the physical discipline to be a boxer. Um, and uh, his lifestyle is very sloppy. And I think to be a boxer, you got to have a degree of discipline. And if you don't have the discipline, then you got to have talent to overcompensate. He doesn't have neither. So um, when you don't have the discipline nor the talent, it's time to check out and uh, – <laughs> And stop the shenanigans, and stop the charade, and and let you know let more either talented or more more disciplined fighters fight. Discipline is key because I, being that you know seeing that you mentioned that it reminds me of one of uh, the countdown episode on uh, on HBO <laughs> where it was like 7 p.m. 
and Julia still hadn't came down a train. He and then when he comes down, he's in it's the one, one of my favorite he's ones. In his drawers. He, he, yeah, women laughs in the pool. Yeah, and, and, and he's really killing the dad. So and then what happens? He gets he gets beat by Martinez. So you know, like that that is something that I think a lot of times you know people take for granted in the sport. And I think there's a pattern when you have the children of, of boxers. We were talking about that earlier. You had Camacho Junior. Uh, who was the other junior that I that I mentioned already? Uh, we I forgot about, about him. I we forgot about, about him. Forman, we talk about George Foreman Jr., Aaron Pryor Jr., Ronald you know, Burns, like Julian Jackson Jr. Yeah, wow. you know, and these guys think that you know my dad was great. I'm in the family business. I'm gonna go in and knock some people out, and it doesn't work like that. And then you know, then you you left wondering what happened, and then you had to face stupid stuff like you said that doing a post-fight presser, you know, saying you won the fight, you know, and you need a rematch. And it's clear, like, nobody wants to see a rematch of this fight. So I think Junior needs to go back to the drawing board, regroup, and really decide if he re- if, this, if boxing is for him and really rededicate himself to the sport because showing like these, it's not going to really ende- get, uh, endear him to the fans. And, you know, and I know Al, Al Heyman's got a lot of money invested in Junior and his development, and, and, you know, this is not what they probably expected. So, um, you got anybody Big else? Big still people? calling him out, though, just for the record. People still want him. Big oh, Bambi. People still want him, Junior? Yeah, Big. they still want him. Go, Triple G call, still wants him. Take it. Um, some of the 68 boys are taking That's a feather in his cap. Triple, Triple, G, uh, Triple G knows that that's not going to really do anything for him. No, no. I, I know. I, and, I, you know and, and you heard um, – Max Kellerman having an orgasm over Triple G. Um, and just like everywhere he go, he got to drop Gennady Golovkin's uh, name. And it's just like, you well, know. Well, he's their house fighter, and you know how that goes. But still, but I mean, come on. I mean, let's, let's I mean, he's he's yet to do a pay-per-view event yet. Yeah. So, so the, 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 this is it. This is Junior. This is, this Junior has been reduced to a five-second discussion on a website. Well, he got to, you know, yeah. he, and the other thing is he wanted to go to super middleweight. I mean, he can't handle none of them big boys up there, man. Like he's you not disciplined before. to go to super middleweight. Yeah, he's not he's disciplined been, to go to winterweight. If you look at, if you go, if you look at all the weight classes that he's down from, from when he started in boxing, <laughs> he's like, that's like, I mean, unless you go to Henry Hank Armstrong, I mean, it's just like never been heard of. Like all these, he's bounced all over the place in a matter of like a year. And not because he wants to move up and achieve new, you know, new, you know, new challenges. This is because he just can't make the weight, and that's not how boxing works. Like, oh well, I'm out of shape, so let me just try my hand in light heavyweight. Yeah, that's how you get your behind beat. That's yeah. how you get cracked. And what got yeah, lost in this was his opponent, who actually I think is a pretty good fighter. He's and a that, very and good fighter. That's the shame about that, you know. So we talk. Well, Aaron makes kind of angry about. He, how do you think he lost? Huh. Well, I mean, nobody. The, the conversation is about Junior more so than about him. Well, I mean, respectfully. Um, I know that, but I'm just saying. I thought the guy, <laughs> for the, you know, so far is a pretty pretty solid fighter. You know, right, I, mean, I mean, you know, he's a, he's a pretty good fighter. Yeah, he's a very so good I mean, fighter, man. I, I think he, I think he, he raised his style, but at the same time, he probably got some people not wanting to get in the ring with him after this. 
That's what you I know, that's he, what he, I he's all, he's all he's all risk no uh, no reward. There's no reward, stuff. right. He should like, fight you know, Kovalev. He should fight Kovalev. That'll that'll be a good scrap, you know, to uh Eastern Europe. Because the Kovalev, Kovalev Stevenson thing is done for the moment. You know, that's been screwed yeah. up. So but the same, from a from a marketability point of view, you got one guy that's from Poland and another guy from what is Kovalev? <laughs> Russia. Yeah, that. Yeah, it's uh, kind of trying to where do you get? The Poles got a beef with Russia. You know, they tried to invade them a couple years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, that, so this was a pretty good uh, discussion yep. on the on the, on a recap on Saturday. He should fight in North yeah. Jersey, though, Doc. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're gonna we're gonna move this along. So good. over the weekend, we're gonna go into the next segment. Over the weekend, ESPN released some clips of Stephen A. Smith interviewing Floyd Mayweather. And in one of those clips, which aired this morning on ESPN First Take, Mayweather said that he believes he's a better fighter than Ali was. He also says he respects guys like Ali and Sugar Ray uh, Leonard, that he doesn't believe that anyone was better than he is today. Robinson. Let me quote this. And let me, uh, he goes, no one can ever brainwash me to make me believe that Sugar Ray Robinson and Muhammad Ali were better than me. Um, no one could ever brainwash me and tell me that. But one thing I will do, I'm going to take my hat off to them and respect those guys because those guys are, mm-hmm. are the guys that paved the way for me to be where I'm at today. He also went on to clown Ali for losing to Leon Spiggs in 78, and he took a not-so-subtle jab at his performance during the Rumble in the Jungle. He said, quote, Leon Spinks only had seven fights. Never put a fight in, they never put a fight in there with Floyd Mayweather with seven fights. Take, taking punishment and let a man tire yourself off from beating you. You hit him with a few punches and go down and quit, and you want to be glorified for that, end quote. So, um, can I know what you, first? I want to know what you guys think. Real quick, real quick. Well, hold on a second. Um, who's <laughs> say he wanted to go first, but I think Big Mike, you, Big Mike, you want to address this? I know you had, I know you had some choice words. I, I just want to say a couple comments, first of all. And I think we should all do a little exercise here. Who would y'all say was Floyd's number one top, his top opponent, his number one guy, I mean, his top opponent? I would say Cotto to date. Castillo always comes to mind. Uh, uh, no, Corrales well, is his top opponent. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about so much in the match. I'm talking about, like, beforehand, I mean, the best match of because respectfully, everybody he, thought that he was going to smash her. He was going to destroy Castillo before he fought him. No, Diego Corrales. I'm telling Diego you, Diego Corrales. Corrales. Okay, Diego Corrales. Diego Corrales. Yeah, that's right. Okay. okay. From that okay. perspective, then right. yeah, Corrales. Say, who would y'all say was the second toughest opponent pre, pre-fight? The second. Uh, Chico Nita Hernandez. Um, no, Oscar. Probably. We know... People thought Oscar was going. I think a lot of people nah, thought. Nah, Chico, Chico Nito Hernandez. They thought he was going to die. He only had twenty. He only had like how many fights did he have? Docs fourteen, ten. Yeah, nah. Floyd, Floyd had a little bit more. He had a. Uh, but yeah, you're saying that they thought he was going to die in that fight. But I, that, like Sleep was saying too, though, the Oscar fight. A lot of people. I'm gonna go with Oscar. Gonna kill. I'm All right. Go with Oscar. So, so, so that was, so that was he's a big let's, name, and they thought so people thought so Oscar was going to win. Would be Oscar. Number three would be Hernandez. Would we all agree on that for Floyd Mayweather? That was his top. Opponents to date, which we all yeah. agree. You can't right. rule out Cotto though. Like, okay, okay we, but hold on, yeah. hold on. I'm going somewhere with this. I'm going somewhere with this. Now, who was Ali's top three opponents? Foreman is one. 
Sonny Liston and Frazier. They would be the top three, right? Yeah. Liston, you got you got Frazier. Frazier. That's three. Right. Okay. Now, dissect those top opponents with Floyd's top opponents. And let me ask you this, and I'm not I'm just saying this, I'm not trying to sway it one either way from the comments. If you dissect Frazier, Foreman, and Liston, when Liston was like killing people, he he beat the crap out of Sugar Ray Robinson. I mean, um, um, uh, what's the Floyd Patterson? Um, we talking about those three versus the guys we just mentioned. Oscar had a notable career, but you know, Oscar got dogged a lot, and uh, you know, and Oscar, he he, you know, he, but Oscar was towards the end of his career. The answer to your court, the answer to that statement or which Floyd's statement should be summed up in those three opponents match with, with at least three major opponents. I mean, Rumble in the Jungle was epic. Thriller in Manila was epic. The only epic fight that Floyd Mayweather is having is having it right now. And and he hasn't gotten past that fight yet. So respectfully, and I, and I agree with what, you know, people can you know can dream and, and, and think big and everything, but Floyd would have to be in his career for like another ten years and beat the baddest cats out there, including Manny next in, in another two weeks, for him to really equivocate to Ali's top opponent. And respectfully, with this with the Sphinx comment, wasn't Ali like almost forty when Sphinx um, whipped his behind? I mean, he, Ali was like... Yeah, that was a bad... I, I mean, on Floyd's and part, then, and that, then, was, and that then was Ali, not known in history well. And then what did Ali do? Ali came right back and whooped his behind on the next right, round. Right, right. That was Floyd... That, that that was a little bit of... I'll, I'll get into... Go ahead, Big Mike. I'll get into why I think he's doing all this anyway, but go ahead. Now, a lot of people but, thought Canelo was going to be a huge uh, problem for him. prior to the fight being made, and he made him look silly. But, um... You no. Know. To, to I'm not agreeing with comments at all, but I, I understand the point you're making. Yeah, no, I understand what Big Mike, what you're trying the, to. I, I think, in my opinion, you're no better than your opponents. If you go out and fight in tomato cans, and and your whole resume is full of tomato cans, you can't say you're the greatest. Ali's the greatest because of the Rumble in the Jungle. Ali's the greatest because of Thriller Manila. Ali's the greatest because. You know, he beat Sonny Liston when he was 19 years old. This guy was murdering cats. I mean, do research on Sonny Liston and see what kind of Sonny dude Sonny Liston was. I mean, he was like a he was like a, a, a back then. He was like a Mike Tyson. He beat the crap out of Floyd Patterson. I mean, the crap. He beat Floyd Patterson so bad they wanted to lynch him because they they associated um, Floyd Patterson with a good Christian man. I mean, even a white. Anytime you beat up a black dude and white people get mad. Then you know you a bad dude. So, um, uh, respectfully, that that was an errant comment just made. That was just a reckless comment. And I think Floyd, I mean, he needs to really do his research on Ali and what his life was about. And uh, and the fact that Ali does have losses does not make him, does not take away his greatness. Because dude was a great fighter. All adversity stuff that he had to deal with, plus. The, the type of opponent that he had made him a great fighter. And I just think that was just a very reckless comment in, in the whole context of boxing. Can I go Can I go next? Yes, please. You got to go. go. All right. So the great Wu-Tang Clan, 
there was uh, the head of the clan called the Genius, the Jizza, right? He's probably one of the oldest guys in there. But the the Rizza was the abbot. He was the orchestrator of the whole group. He commonly referred to another member as a genius all the time in interviews. And that member was Old Dirty Bastard. Now, Old Dirty Bastard seemed to be in a drunken stupor for the majority of his performances and his rhymes. So I'm using that correlation because either Floyd Mayweather is a total idiot who's oblivious to how detrimental his comments, you know, will back him into a corner or paint him as this arrogant, rich fool, or he's a marketing genius where he wants it to be so polarized he wants the hate to go to a fever where people will dial in to watch him lose. I can't even answer which side he's on because he makes so many state he made the statements he made today or which was a couple of weeks ago, which are you know, we finally aired today. You sit there and say, Well, how can a a person with common sense even make a statement like that? Now if he came at Ali technical wise he could have made some points because even Ali's daughter came at Ali's technique. But the reason why the greatest athletes of all time, which is usually reserved for Ali and Jordan, is a whole lot more than their physical capabilities is because they were mentally stronger and tougher and more courageous than any opponent they faced. And I think we we lean on Ali more because of what he stood for, how he stood up to people, how he outfought people. So if he would have said, well, Ali defensively used to get hit, he used to get hurt, if he would have made some valid points, you know, then he would at least had a discussion. But, like, he came at situations like, you know, uh, how you going to let a guy beat up on your body and then out tire, get tired, and then you hit him with a couple shots, they drop. You sit there and be like, is this guy serious? Like, is he really making these comments or is he really trying to incite discussion and argument to get people I don't know what side is on, but I'm making an old dirty bastard comment because I think there might be some genius behind this, but I don't ride with anything he said, but it might be a market. Well, let me add, let me add some perspective to what you're saying because if you're looking at the, the marketing aspect and you're looking at the businessman Floyd Mayweather and you're looking at how do we even make this fight bigger than what it is, those statements, however polarizing they are, by every blog, and not only just sports website, but just regular urban and lifestyle uh, blogs and sites, and everybody has their opinion on it. So on one end, if it's a if it's a touch of marketing, it was brilliant. But then when you really look at it, you look at the, the details. There's no, no coincidence that Muhammad Ali was already pulling for Manny Pacquiao, and he was he's pulling for Manny to be Floyd. So it can be a, it can be a little a little uh, Floyd feels a little bit scorned by the great Muhammad Ali, you know, anointing Manny as the guy who's going to dethrone him. And, you know, Ali saying owes me nothing. So it could be a number of things. So I know uh, uh, before I give it to Train, I know R.O.D. had some, uh, he had a, he had a point to make about this also. R.O.D., you still there? Well, I'm here. I, you know, I, you know, Dax and I had talked about this earlier as well as uh, Coltrane. And I'm going to believe, you know, that you do, have to think big in life, you know, that, you know, you should always, you know, 
be that person when you come, like someone else is going to come up and say, hey, you know what, I want to be the greatest such and such, and these guys can't hold a candle to me, whatever it may be. But with that being said, for the casual fans, this might be, you know, they may feel like, you know, like the new Drake fans, like, oh, my goodness, Drake is the best MC to ever, you know, touch the earth. And we know, and we guys know that, wait a minute, we've had, like, classics way before Drake was even born, you know, complete albums. And it's the same thing here. Like, if you haven't watched boxing in a while, if you're a casual fan, then you might ride with that. Me personally, I'm okay with what Floyd says. You know, if he wants to believe that, that's fine. But I know the truth. I know the truth is, is that, number one, he's not in my, he doesn't make my top ten. He doesn't make my top 25. When he beats Manny Pacquiao, he might not even make my top 30 still because of when he fought him. There's so many different layers to that statement that the only thing you could possibly do to get offended is laugh. There's no way in the world that this guy should be mentioning his name with Ali's name, okay, with Sugar Ray Robinson's name, okay, and if you and if you go further down the list and you start holding resumes together, you would sit here and look at his record, Manny Pacquiao record, and you would say the champions of today wouldn't even beat some of the journeymen that these guys had. So that statement in itself is asinine. I just don't see why people take offense to it because it's just a dumb statement. You know, it's it's a statement that is really he should try comedy after he retires because it's a really funny statement. <laughs> you, you know, because it's it's sort of like, you know, how do you how do you take something like that really seriously? And you can see he was doing it for shock value. I just sat right. back and looked at it and was just like I totally agree with that. Like, yeah. I just that, I just sat back and looked at it and just said, How can, how can anybody get offended off of somebody dreaming let, big? Let me, I will just say I'll just say this real fast. I told Doc, I said this remind me of like growing up and you'd be like, Dag, you know what? Um you, you you see one of the local hustlers, and you're like, Dag, man, I I want that Benz when I get older, and, and the drug dealer pat you in your head like, yeah, keep dreaming, kid. And and that's the same thing this is. Like, I, I feel like smacking a little fool in back of his head and be like, yeah, keep dreaming, kid. There's no way in the world that you're better than any of these guys. The journeymen back then would have been champions today. But go ahead. First of all, this is trained. Let me just no, say something I mean, real quick. I mean, to – Go ahead, Roberto. I'll come in at the end. No, yeah, to, to, to touch on, like, uh, what Docs was mentioning in the beginning of the show, dynamics. Uh, we got to look at the dynamics of the actual, like, fight itself. Like, really, I mean, I, I know I'm not the only one who's seen this. Like, how they're really portraying the actual matchup. I mean, they, you know, they're painting Pacquiao. Like, I mean, I don't say, like, wholesome and everything, but, like, the good versus evil whole scenario is really being play, played out in in this fight. And, I mean, look, man, like, this isn't the first time Floyd, like, said outlandish things and and what have you. And I'm somebody who's not, like, mad at the comments he made, only because like, we got to really go back in history and see, like, what, like even, to, I mean, to talk about Muhammad Ali, I mean, we got to think about the things he said about, like, Joe Lewis and, and, and some of these other fighters. So it's like, I understand, and, I mean, mind you, I don't agree <laughs> with what he's saying, and, and the, and the whole Leon Spinks thing. I mean, everything's in context, but he's he's selling the fight, man. And and I think also too, like Stephen A. was talking about how um, the approach, I guess, because he was talking about how he thought he was going to have a sit down interview. They were going to just kind of like the whole Katie Couric thing, you know, just ring. But 
he kind of played it like, yo, all the cameras on, boom, 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 boom. And, and, and like, kind of like the outlandish Floyd came out. And, I mean, to me, he's selling the fight. And at the end of the day, though, you know, he is putting himself in a situation where it's like, you know, you, you're talking a lot. So if you don't produce, it is a big, a big risk factor as far as the the outcry, as far as if everything doesn't work out in your favor. But at least for me, man, I just didn't take it too serious because I, I understand his MO at the at the very end of the day, man. And I think, I don't know if it was Ryder that, that, that touched on it. I mean, or, or, or I think it was Sleep. I mean, it's, 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 I mean, yeah, he, I, he could be a marketing genius, man. Like where it's just, this is what he's going to do. And then, you know, people will pay as usual to hopefully see Pacquiao, you know, beat him. I mean, you uh, scratch, the mar- scratch the marketing theory because this is a $420 million fight. What's there yeah, to market? Yeah. No, I mean, but Big Mike, oh, Big Mike, no, you, no, 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 I still think he's still... There's I mean, I, always I more customers. customers. Never seen it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. right. 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 You could get a 68-year-old grandmother to tune in. I, no, I, listen, <laughs> here's, here's the thing. Big Doc, here, here's the thing. And I told you this before. One of the reasons I, I, I don't care for uh, first tape because I hate reality television. The reason why I hate reality television because it's staged. The reason why sports is the best reality television because it's actually reality. It's actually happening at the moment. That's reality television. What you saw last night or whenever that interview aired, it was no different from that stage debate show that they have in the morning. Stephen A. egged them on with the question. So you're saying that you're better than Muhammad Ali. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> was right in the character. It was all stage. Like, I, I, I didn't really, I didn't really, but you did, Stephen A. egged on the whole time. Just like that phony Jordan versus LeBron argument that they had. It was so staged. First of all, let me just say this real quick. Stephen A. was with him for eight hours, right? They were together for eight hours because he's been telling us about this interview for the last two months. And me and Roberto laughed and joked about it. We predicted how this thing would go. These stage questions to bring them – remember, there was no 24-7 yeah. for this show, for this fight. Right, right. So Floyd has to – and he got to be kind of – he can't cuss like he really wants, even though they blurred out some stuff. But anyhow, the, the Money Mayweather character – that we didn't see, you're now going to see him now on this interview, on these clips that they're showing. And Stephen A., who's more perfect to add Floyd Mayweather on other than screaming A. Smith? Could they have found a better person? No. That's the marketing part. And I hear what Big Mike saying, well, how many more tickets they can sell? I don't even think it's about that at this point. I just think it's a character and it's a script that's been written. I don't know how long ago Money Mayweather was created. And they just continuing to live it out. That's what I took from it. It's the, no different from that first take show that him and uh, Skip Bayless do in the morning with the stage debate that they do. And you I know mean, what else? I, the, thing, the thing about this that's interesting is that it touches the nerve because if you look at sports, if you look at all the other, uh, all the other, uh, all the other sports out there, baseball, football, basketball, hockey, Soccer, what have you? There's a there's a certain hollowed ground, and that and that's reserved for the legends of the sport. You know, the people that have started seminal figures of the sport. You know, when you look when you tune into basketball, there's a certain reverence that that they use to, to when they regard Jerry West. He's the logo. There's a certain reverence they use when they when they refer to George Mike and and, and Will Distill and and Bill Russell. You know what I'm saying? And the younger guys, the younger generation, know that there is a certain line you don't cross. 
You know, these are the guys that, you know, who 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 are the seminal figures of the sport. And it's the same thing with baseball. When you start talking about the Lou Gehrig's and the Mickey Mantles and the and the and, and, and the Honus White Harris, the Willie Mays, yeah, you know, you know, like you if you compare yourself to these guys, you're opening yourself up to a lot of criticism, and and the same goes for a lot of sports. So he knew what he was doing. Now, is it blatant disregard for? Even though he says, with all due respect, that's all. That's almost like the, with all due respect, you're an asshole. I did say, you, I did say, with all due respect, right? Um, so even though he prefaced that with, I take my hat off to these guys that paved the way, and I respect these guys, boo boo ba ba ba. He still felt like I'm still going to say the most disrespectful comment that I can say. And in one breath, we know when we think of, when we think about Ali's iconic fights and, and most epic fights, the Rumble in the Jungle is synonymous with one of the most epic fights in the history of boxing, right? So for him to diminish the the the, the entire uh, – because that was a hell of a not, – not only was it just an eight-round fight, but you're talking about the entire promotion, what it, what it was symbolic of, what George Foreman symbolized versus what Ali was at that stage. And remember, they thought he was going to die. People in yeah. Ali's clique thought he was going to die. So for him to, to summarize that entire production – that entire they brought all these musicians to Africa, you know they brought James Brown and the whole entire yeah I remember uh, that concert. they brought a lot of people. You had Norman uh, Norman Mailer over there. You had a ton of uh, activists, writers. Everybody was out there. So for you to take that fight and summarize that in a soundbite and diminish everything that that fight accomplished in about three seconds, as like it shows the brilliance of Floyd Mayweather to actually control the media. So. <laughs> Whether you're on, on the side of he's doing it on purpose and his brilliant marketing or he's just showing utter disregard for the history and the legacy of boxing. Expect a press release tomorrow. I guarantee it. Mark my words. This is Coltrane. Expect some type of release tomorrow from the Mayweather camp stating that we didn't mean it like that. We have the utmost respect for Mr. Ali. That was taken out of context. I guarantee you're going to see some type of release about that. And you know what, Coltrane, just in um and Doc, just a just a, uh piggyback on that. When you was talking about the um the whole of uh, Rumble in the Jungle and the and the throat in Manila and just Ali and him being brash, if you think about paving the way what it means for boxers, he made it cool, man, for you to be you prior to fights. Like for you to basically yeah. go in here and say, You know what, I'm I'm this, I'm gonna do this. He made it cool to do that because remember boxing is a gentleman's sport. So a lot of the trash talking wasn't really done. It wasn't like it was to Ali. Because remember, people used to get offended at Ali, the way he used to talk trash. You talk about Sonny Liston, what Big Mike was saying. I mean, here's a guy when my dad was telling me, he was like, yo, man. He was like, Tom, he, he was like, uh, um, ride or die, he'd go in the middle of the night and put bear traps in front of his house. Come on out here, you big, come on out here, you big bear. Come on out here. You know, I'm gonna kill you tonight. We fight. You know, and and he would do stuff like that. You know, remember what he did to uh, Joe Frazier? He had the he had the gorilla. He had the black gorilla. He was punching it. You know, stuff. You know, we forget about stuff like that. But see, he made yeah. that stuff cool. He made that stuff cool, and honestly, he did pave the way. So let's. That's why I said let's call a spade a spade. Floyd may be like remedial in some things. He may be lacking in some areas. You know, when it comes like academically, but. I don't think he's that much of a fool. I think he's a comedian. I think he does things for shock value. But if you look at the way that Ali 
really did things, Floyd's doing almost the same thing. Disciple of Ali. Yeah. And um, every professional wrestling superstar is a disciple of Muhammad Ali. Rick Flair. You're absolutely right. Yep. The heels, man. I mean, so, uh, I, 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 trash, I think trash talking is one thing, but just to come out and just—I mean, I think what really did it was uh, when uh, Floyd did that Jericho dance for Shane. <laughs> it was just like—I <laughs> mean, it, it's like you know, you had Saturday Night Live, but then you had the Living Color, where it actually cut deeper. You know what I mean? I mean, Saturday Night Live was bustling. But a living color, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that would end people's careers. I mean, they would come at, you know, a living color was hilarious. They would come at Arsenio Hall sticking uh, tissue in his behind or something, you know. No, Sugar Ray Leonard, Tom, Tom, <laughs> how Sugar Ray Leonard. Every time yeah. I hear Sugar Ray Leonard talk, I think about Tommy Lee Davidson mocking him. <laughs> I love Ray Leonard, but he sucks at commentating. That's why he was fired oh before, not to get off dude. topic. But well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Be, be, before before we go to the next segment, I, I want to ask my man from uh, from California, C- CT, is it? You still there? I'm still here, bro. Yeah, real quick, what, what's your take on, on this discussion we're having about the greatest ever, greatest of all time? Real quick. Still there? Well, I'm I'm a well, look. I grew up with Ali, mm-hmm. and anyone calling themselves the greatest besides him, you know, I just I can't fathom that. I think in Floyd's mind, based on well, you have to look at any 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 look at any athlete who's at the pinnacle of their career and who feels that they're on top, they don't feel that there's any equal or any peer. Uh-huh. So he has to have that mindset. To feel yep. to justify what he's accomplished, so I don't think he in, was intentionally trying to be disrespectful to Ali or Ray Leonard or Ray Robinson. I just think that in his mind, based on what he's accomplished and based on what they accomplished, he feels as though that his career or his accomplishments were greater. And athletes are going to do that, but in no way is Floyd greater than Ali. I think. Ali. I think. I, I, oh, great. I, I was like, I would take that statement 100% if he didn't break down the rumble in the jungle and, and just broke the dome. shit to, yo, you going to let a man beat up on your body, iron yourself out, hit him with a combination, to say that's the great. But he did that, I was like, he's reaching. But it wasn't even born. He was reaching. No, really. I don't think it was reaching. It that's was when he took ass. his hand, sleep. Well, one, 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 one at a time, one at a time, one at a time. It was pure asinine to make that statement. I mean, it was with, with that with that whole world believed that was brilliant, what Ali did, and the fact that he was going to get his head knocked off if he fought him straight up, the rope adult was the best thing to help him win the fight. I mean, you know, and for him to mock that and laugh at it, either he doesn't know boxing history or he's just playing stupid. No, I mean, you know what I think it is? I think it's just basically when he gets with Stephen A. Smith, is is Ren and Stippy, Beavers and Butthead, Cheech and Charles. That's all it is. It's, it's really two fools. No, I'm serious. It's two fools. You got Stephen A. Smith. Yo, man, you ain't going to say this. I dare you to say it. All right, put the cameras on. Yep. Go ahead and say it. Yep. Yo, you really did a wrong two you could have put together in a room. Them two there, when I heard about that, Roberto, didn't I tell you how this was going to yeah, be? No, I, you I, got I, two I, 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 in a room, the two dragons. Yeah. 
I, well, yeah, in, I, I agree. In, 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 in honor of it being 420 today, they were like a regular teaching song. Yeah. <laughs> when I first heard about that, I said, "This is you talking about height?" Because <laughs> Stephen A. That's what he does. His whole stick is built on throwing planes. Yeah, like, uh, you're Roberta, just hype guys, you, man. Yeah, Roberto, <laughs> you have anything else to add on this before we move on to the next segment? No, man. Yeah, I mean, I think we touched up on everything, man. I mean, I just think, I, you know, at, at the end of the day, it, it's like I think we have to also remember too, man. Like, you know, Floyd. You know, he, he, I think he balances that fine line of, you know, going overboard but knowing what he's doing. But at the same time, we got to remember, too, like the people he has around him constantly telling him, you know, you're the man, you're the man, you're the man. And we've seen time and time again, and that's not to discredit how good he is. I mean, obviously, he's all-time great, but, um, you know, part of it, you know, part of it is kind of, you know, he must. He, I think that somewhat in, in, in his own way, and he might still give respect to these guys, but I think a lot of it, again, is just Floyd being Floyd at the ultimate, on the ultimate stage, you know what I'm saying? And and, and I think, uh, you know, Coltrane said, you know, they might say, he might say something like, uh, and they might put a little press release, you know, I, I got all the respect in the world for such and such, but he may still throw in, but, you know, I feel like I'm the greatest, you know, and, and he'll just kind of leave it at that. So, that's pretty much it. Okay. So, before we uh, – so I'm hoping we, we put to bed this, this polarizing topic and, and we address the brilliance of Floyd as a master marketer and knowing how to bring attention to an already overhyped event. You know, somebody said a 60-year-old lady buying a pay-per-view just because she's uh, fond of Ali and Floyd is the guy she hates. But um, uh, staying stay – Staying on topic, um, we've been we've had a series where we've been counting down towards the May second event. We've been breaking down some of the intangibles um, in regards to what it, what these particular intangibles, uh, intangibles mean to these fighters and how they can impact the outcome of this fight. And the reason we're doing it is, is just so that everyone can have uh, a. a academic perspective on in regards to how they're going to pick the fighter they're going to pick. We don't just want to say, hey, this is the guy I got. I'm thinking I'm favoring this guy because I, I like this guy. We want to have some kind of educated breakdown that encompasses the broad scope of, of fighting and boxing. So earlier, in the, two, three weeks ago, we covered um, ring generalship, we covered uh, physicality and athletic ability, and we also covered last week um, confidence. Or the week prior, we covered confidence. So this week, we're going to talk. Uh, we're going to break down the definition of what boxing IQ means to a fighter, and what how important it is to have a very elevated boxing IQ, and, and not not just a fight of this magnitude, but in any fight. You know, how does ring smarts play into? Uh, the capabilities of every fighter and, and how they can use that to their advantage to be able to excel and implement their strategy efficiently. So I don't know which one of you guys want to, want to, want, would like to take the first stab at addressing the I've been, I've been inspecting deck all night. Let, let's see, T, let, 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 our guest, let our guest handle that. See what he got to say. Okay. If you, you want to talk about ring IQ. Yeah, boxing IQ, ring IQ, same thing, yes. Um, wow. I think, well, 
I a boxer's <laughs> IQ. When you when you talk about someone's IQ, a per, the, the, usually the fighter that is smarter dictates the pace of the fight and takes away the weapons of what the other fighter does best. Um, whatever the whatever you do, the fighter has an answer to. When you don't have an answer for it, I, I believe, like for example, in the Pacquiao. Marquez fight. People say that was a lucky punch. Marquez set him up for that shot. He had been waiting for it, and he had been waiting to set him up. He was fighting off the back foot, and he was waiting for Pacquiao. He knew when Pacquiao would throw that jab, and he was he lunges. And I think Floyd, love him or hate him, his boxing IQ is up there with the best. Um, I think when it comes to him and Pacquiao, I think Pacquiao is more of an instinctive fighter. I think Floyd tends to think things through, where Pacquiao just tends to react. Um, I don't necessarily, um, I don't necessarily think that is a bad thing. Sometimes you have to be instinctive in the ring, but so also you also have to make the other person do what they don't want to do. And I think Floyd is is, is excellent at that. You guys, care to chime in on that? Oh yeah, we're definitely gonna chime in if you if you already if you don't know the brand of GYGB, we're a bunch of chimers. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, let, let's let's go to Big Mike since he's still in line. Uh, what do you? How do you feel boxing IQ? What's the importance of boxing IQ and in, in, in not just this fight, but just in general? And how do you feel it's gonna play come May second for either side of Big Mike? Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't really I don't really know. And, you know, I, I guess it's really difficult for me to dissect that fight from that perspective. So I just want to punt on this one. All right, Sleep, you still there? Yeah, of course, I'm here. Um, the great uh, Emmanuel Stewart made a comment. Um, wasn't too far before he, you know, he passed. And we had a meeting him once before in person, um, he said he's never seen a fighter. And I'm just going to use it in the perspective because of, of, of Floyd. He's never seen a fighter who was able to, under extreme circumstances and fatigue, the way Floyd Mayweather is able to, to think and operate and continue to carry out a game plan. I think that's Floyd's gift. That's his biggest gift, along with his reflexes, is the ability to keep a clear head and think his way and progressively break down a fighter. I think IQ is paramount in any sport, but the key to it is the great ones are under to think under great duress. The Kobe's, the Michaels, the people to say, you know, um, being in the moment, being it when things slow down. Players like Peyton Manning do not have this gift. They panic. You know, um, great athletes in all sports, you see them when games get tight, and I'm really hoping CP3 proves me wrong in the first game he's he shown. <laughs> he's another CT from L.A. on the line. <laughs> a very tight athlete who panics, you know what I'm saying, when, when the pressure is turned up. So IQ and boxing IQ is very important. The, the thing is, with most fighters, is it hurt, they get tired, 
they panic and they abandon game plans and they forget what to do to try to get a fight under control. And that's in every sport. And I think this is where Floyd has the greatest advantage over anybody he fights. Because there's not too many fighters who are able to operate under those circumstances that effectively. Like even the adjustment he made with Cotto, like that straight right hand and then leaving it there. Like little adjustments that he does in fights, I think is very, you know, genius. So, you know, that's my perspective on IQ. Yeah, I mean, Floyd, he's, I mean, like, like you know, everybody said, like he's shown in several instances where he's, you know, been in trouble, and we've seen kind of like how he can adjust, you know. And I think a lot with Pacquiao, I I don't think it's. I mean, he is an instinctful fighter. I mean, I think more than anything, but I mean, I I don't think he gets credit, you know, for the things he does as far as you know, little traps he sets and. Things like that, but I mean, not to not to say like it's a deal where um, he's very, I mean, very below Floyd. But I think Floyd, just overall, like experience wise, has been in situations where he's had to either kind of like make adjustments like on the fly. Where you know, like I I forgot who mentioned with with Pacquiao with Marquez, it's kind of seen. We've seen the frustration, and we've seen where like you know it's been on even planes. The team where if you want to compare adjustments you know, as far as an intangible in ring IQ and what have you. But, you know, the thing with both of them too, man, I mean, we've got to look at the fact that, you know, they've made it here for the fact that, you know, they, they've been in positions where they've had to kind of get out of trouble. And even with the Bradley fight with Pacquiao, man, I mean, those weren't easy fights for, for Pacquiao necessarily either. And, you know, he kind of had to find his way through there. But I think with the fight too, man, I mean, even speaking about ring IQ, you know, I think both of them going in, uh, you know, they're expecting that they're going to have to switch things up. But, you know, we got to look also, I mean, I, and I don't want to get off topic too much, but we got to take into consideration, you know, the form that they're going to come in, you know, come, come fight night too, as far as if everything, you know, if all the mechanics are working, because, I mean, that plays in, that plays a part as far as, you know, the ring, how the ring IQ can, you know, relate with the body, but... Um, I mean, like I said, I mean, they, they both, they both have, you know, certain things about them as far as obviously experience and, you know, it, it, I don't want to say it's even per se. Cause I mean, I'll give Floyd the advantage in that department, but it's not like Pacquiao, in my opinion, is going in there, you know, kind of blind and reckless more so than, you know, just, you know, I, I think he's a smarter fighter than people think, to be honest with you, but. But you know Floyd, Floyd, I would give Floyd the advantage in that department. I mean, I do agree with that. I ain't gonna lie about that. Can I can I interject something real quick? Sure. Who, who, who is this speaking? This CT. Go ahead, CT. The question I would like to pose is that Frazier pressed Ali. Who has pressed Floyd? We have never seen Floyd press to the max. We've seen him in trouble, but really, who has been his main adversary? He hasn't had one. He hasn't been pushed to the back. Pacquiao, you could say, with Marquez. But who has really pressed Floyd where he was really behind in the fight, where he had to come from behind and dig deep? 
He's never been put in those situations. I mean, the only argument would be the Castillo fight. Castillo fight, also lose Castillo back in 01. You could, say that. you could say that for the first fight, but <clears throat> from what I was told, Floyd had a shoulder I- issue going into that fight. And when you go back and look at the second fight, it wasn't even it wasn't even close. That's a great point. So, uh, Coltrane, you want to address um, that? Well, yeah, I'm still here. Uh, one of the things, uh, good point, good stuff, y'all, and good good uh, point, CT. One of the things I wanted to talk about um, about IQs, um, as you guys know, I watch a lot of sports, and sometimes smart guys, the guys with the good IQs, sometimes your mind and your body they don't synchronize. And sometimes IQ can be to your detriment. That's um, why I was making the mention of rank. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I think what thought one of y'all brought it up it was you, Roberto. But um. And you start thinking and you start processing stuff. And, again, your body's going in a whole different direction from what your mind is going in. And where CT said, you know, Pacquiao is instinctive. And sometimes with instinctive people, and you see it like a lot in sports, where you met one team might be more, like, systematic, you know, uh, uh, more fundamentally sound and they may run into a, an athletic buzzsaw where they just playing like they're in a, still in uh, pads and shorts um, in training camp, like just lo- a little bit more looser, if you will. So IQ is a good thing, don't get me wrong, because one thing about a mind, it helps you process things and download information, and it helps you adjust, but it also can be to your detriment too because, again, if your mind is thinking one thing and your body's not reacting and you're fighting a buzzsaw, a guy that that he's all about reaction, it could be a recipe for disaster. So I'm I, I'm not going to you know harp on it because we can move on to the next thing. But that's all I'm going to say on that. Okay. So Rod, you got the last word on this? Yeah, I, I when I when I think of IQ, I kind of like you know cringe a little bit because you know when we use IQ in America, we always say that this guy is smart or where this guy is dumb, and I'm not saying that either of these guys are brilliant by any stretch of the imagination or dumb as individuals, so we want to just put that out as a disclaimer. Um, but when we're just talking about in terms of their particular vocation in their, in their sport, you know, I would have to say that I think I would agree with Roberto. I do believe that, you know, Manny Pacquiao has, you know, you know some, some underrated IQ, you know, that uh, – people don't take advantage of, like those, you know, the geometry, the angles that he gives people, you know, that that is a form of IQ, you know, when we talk about, you know, boxing, you know, and things of that caliber. But when, but I always go back to what Emmanuel Stewart said about a boxer having a pedigree. And when a boxer has experience, they can tend to lean and pull from that experience. And, you know, Floyd Mayweather's had that experience, um, I look at the adjustments that he's made. Those experiences allowed him to make very good adjustments where you see fighters that were, like, overzealous that, you know what, I'm going to press this guy like you saw, you know, some fighters do in the beginning, and as soon as they start eating sharp counters, they're like, you know what, they start second-guessing themselves to really start pressing the situation. Or you may have a situation where, you know, uh, there's a fighter that, that, that may have, you know, taken Floyd and had done something. I take the Shane Mosley fight in the second round. You know, sleep always goes back to the point where 
Floyd adjusted so well that he actually won that round towards the end. And it's rare that you hear that. Uh, Brother Nassim said it best as well. He said, you know what? He said, we've gotten to a point where Floyd is so smart in the ring that the only thing we could celebrate is how he gets hit by one shot. You never <laughs> yeah. see Floyd get hit by a flurry. He, we get, he gets hit by one shot, and everybody's like, oh, remember that shot? He hit, Madonna hit him with at the end of the third round? But what happened after that? He didn't get hit with nothing else. Remember that shot Shane Mosley hit him with in the second round? He said he told Shane Shane wanted to quit that fight. He had to tell him to go on. Floyd was pressing him at, towards the end of that fight. So, you know, when we look at the Madonna fight, you know, that first to that second fight, he made adjustments. And I believe that, you know, when you talk about IQ, it's the fighter that can adapt to any situation. It's the chameleon. You know, you put him in there. He kind of, you know, observes the situation. He's saying, you know what? Okay, this is what we're going to do now. He takes the data, he looks at it, and he says, you know what? This is what we're going to do now. So I think that Manny Pacquiao has underrated IQ. I think everybody looks at him as not such a smart fighter. You know, I think that, you know, he does give, you know, people angles. You know, so he is pretty smart. He is a, you know, he does have IQ. But I think Floyd Mayweather has superior IQ. I'm talking about, like, you know, when we talk about him, we're talking about, like, the the brains of the class, like the the, the Bernard Hopkins and the Andre Wards and the, and the Rigondals, those those type guys, you know, that that, you know, can adjust and they do certain things. You're like, wow, you know what? I didn't peep this until after I watched the fight like three or four times that this is what he was doing. So I'm going to give that edge to Floyd. The other thing I'm going to say real fast about Manny's IQ that I don't like, um, my, you know, one of the things that a lot of old heads say is that, you know, you can tell a, about a fighter if they make adjustments after they've been knocked out or hurt. And I've never seen Manny make any adjustments, you know, since that Marquez fight. He's still getting hit with a lot of stuff. And I just wonder, you know, what Freddie is telling him. It's not Manny I'm worried about. I'm wondering what Freddie is telling him in those corners as, you know, as the chief in charge to say, hey, you know what, we have to work on this. You're getting hit with some, with some, with some, you know, some counter rights, you know, you're, you're getting timed a lot. You're not cutting off the ring good enough. You know, that type of stuff worries me, and that's why I couldn't really give him a superior IQ. I, I think that he has good IQ, but I don't think it's more superior than Floyd because Floyd adapts, he makes adjustments, and he takes away your best weapon. So if I was to make any – the closest parallel I can find to that would be, you know, when you have a football team going into a match, and, and and they're superior X and O's X's and O's type of team, but then they find out they're they're going to play a team that that likes to blitz on specific downs, and it's all town amount to how how efficiently you can call your audibles and make those adjustments to beat the blitz. So that's kind of that's a good parallel that you guys are making here. So that is one facet out of the many that we we're using to try to arrive at a conclusion with our pick. So. No one is no one is gonna reveal their pick until not this show, not the next show, but the following show, right? Or is it the next show? It's uh, next no, week, Doc. Next Monday, baby. Next, next week, next yeah. Monday. Yeah. All right, next so week. Yeah. Yeah. Ten days, man. I know, I know, we all we can't wait to let it go. So next, we're gonna go all out next week since we don't have any fights this weekend coming up. 
So no, we, we do. do. No, we do. We do. Oh, we do. Oh, yeah, kids. oh, yeah. You know what? I'm thinking we, like, you know, it's, like, early early April right now. I forgot. <laughs> All right, so. Wait, and, so, and uh, Darrell and, what do you, and Gil, isn't, isn't that this? Or Darrell, Gil, Darrell, that and, Darrell yeah. and Badu Jack over the fight. But let's Badu, talk about yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I'm yeah, thinking. Let's, yeah, yeah. let's talk about the bigger fight out of the upcoming fight. Let's just address the, the, the um. And I know Big. I'll give Big Mike the first word on this. So we have uh, Vladimir Klitschko is fighting uh, Philadelphia's own by Jennings next uh, next week in a heavyweight showdown. And I believe that's actually it's actually here. It's going to be in the U.S. It's going to be in Madison Square Garden, and yep. it's going to be for the WBA, WBO, and the IBF titles. So it's then there for all the marbles, except for, except for the green yeah. belt. So. If by Jennings wins, he will be setting up an, an all-American showdown. Wow. So, uh, thoughts on this, gentlemen? Big Mike. So who do I, who I'm picking to win the fight? What, what, what's your thoughts on the uh, yeah, Klitschko and by Jennings fight? Right. Um, well, I you know I don't really know a lot about Brian Jen, um, Jennings to to really. Um, to get an educated guess on who's going to win. I mean, I'm going to pick my heart that Klitschko, you know, the big Frankenstein robot is going to come out and do his thing and uh, and do what he normally does until he fights like uh, um, Deontay Walder or somebody like that. I think we want to probably see a different type of fight. But um, I think Jennings is probably one of the first contenders in a while that really has a shot. And I've been trying to do my research on him. He's from Philadelphia. He's undefeated. Uh, he seemed to be a, but I think Klitschko, the way he fights, he uses all of his, his uh, six foot seven inch height to really beat his opponents. I mean, he does that, that iron arm thing that he does that he like, mm bounces you on the head with it, and then he comes over with that right, that straight right, and gets you with it. I mean, it's hard to do that with a fighter your size. So with Klitschko's style, I mean, he fights the perfect style for a big, tall guy. I mean, he, and, doesn't let people, he doesn't let people get close. He does that, that, I call it the iron hammer, that he just comes down with that, it's not even a jab. It's like a. It's like a. It's like a. It's like a. It's like a hammer. He just comes down and just bang you in the head with it, and then he sneaks the right in, and then the right is just their right hand is this is this incredible. But well, I I just don't understand that you know. Um, he's been beaten before. Do you do you think By Jennings is enough uh, poses any threats for him? At all? I think, yeah, I think he poses a threat, but, I mean, I don't know. I think he's found a way over these last 10 years to master his, his type of style that I just think is difficult. Um, somebody has to have some really incredible power to really get close enough to him to touch him. You're not going to really beat him by boxing. I think he has his, his little... What was the what was the fighter back in the um back in the late nineteen um late nineteen hundreds where the guy used to have that that underdog he used to have a hand approach with that he used to really just trip people up because he used to hold his dukes like you know like the duke the fire the fighting Irish logo that dude I mean he used to pop people with that all day 
And I think that's Klitschko, man. He's just mastered his style so much that somebody got to have, I'm talking about some crazy power and speed to really beat him. And I, I don't I don't know if it's Jennings or not. I know it's, I know Wilder definitely gets him a shot. Well, the thing, when you're talking about Jennings, he, he's 19-0 and 0 and only has 10 knockouts. So I don't know if that, if that power that you see no, no, is something that's, that's, that he has. Well, one telling aspect of when you look at the tail of the tape is that he's 6'3". His reach is uh, 84 inches, which is three inches longer than Klitschko. So maybe that that length will allow him to get inside a little bit more, but I don't know if once he gets inside if he'll be able to uh, exploit that. So um, anybody else got a, a, any perspectives on this? Can I interject? Who is that? CT. CT. Um, look. You have to give Vladimir his credit. Um, when Emmanuel Stewart took over and started helping him, he realized the assets that Vladimir had. And Vladimir used to try to fight like he was a puncher, but forgot about his chin. Emmanuel showed him how to use his, his strength, his length. He fights like a tall fighter. Uh, he doesn't let you get inside. and He's a difficult person to fight. If in order to beat Vladimir, someone's going to have to be in his wheelhouse. You're going to have to, you know, you're going to, it's going to take another tall fighter with skills. Brian Jennings, I like, I respect him a lot, but he has no shot against Vladimir. He's not going to be able to get inside. If he gets close, Vladimir's going to keep him at bay with that jab. He's going to stop drop, dropping right hands on him. He doesn't have anything that Vladimir's afraid of. He doesn't have a great right hand. He's not a powerful puncher. His thing is his boxing. There's nothing he can do to offset anything Vladimir's going to do. And if he and if he gets close, Vladimir's going to tie him up and push him off. I don't I don't see him beating Vladimir. I, he doesn't have the skill set to beat Vladimir. And besides, you have got to be a, a dino. You've got to get close to Vladimir. And Brian Jennings doesn't have. I don't. He's not an inside fighter. Anybody else uh, care to interject? Go ahead. I mean, uh, I mean no. I yeah. I, I mean, I no. I'm saying like I mean, everybody's touch on points. It's just the most difficult thing with him. And and I'm glad he, uh, CT touched on Emmanuel Stewart. Like you know, he just corrected a lot of things that he was doing wrong. And you know, the trend with him, in a sense, since then has been. You know, it's incredibly difficult to get inside on him. And then to the point as well is that, you know, he, he's pumping that jab and pumping that jab. And, and mind you, this is a 200 – I mean, what does he weigh fight night? Like 250, 255. 250, okay, okay, so you're thinking of, like, this guy's jabs are equivalent to some people, some, even some heavyweights' right hand as far, as far as the snap on it. And this is a constant thing, like, throughout the fight. And – when you look at when you look at the the track record of the guys he's fought, like I want to say in the last like five years, it's just you know it's a lot of the European style fighters who you know they fight straight up and they try to box him, but I think the only the only thing that's gonna gain some interest as far as you know when you put Klitschko against anybody's like you know the the Deontay Wilders or the Tyson Furies that match him in reach and and in height. Because the only thing with him that, you know, and it, it dates back to, you know, his earlier fights where, you know, when you crack him, you know, he's susceptible to getting hurt, you know. But 
he just, I think he's just so in tune with how, you know, he fights now. It's just, it's an uphill battle, you know, and I, I, I think, you know, once it gets to a point where, you know, maybe, you know, the, you know, if, if it becomes a Tyson Fury fight or a Deontay Wilder fight, I think that's where the real interest comes in. But I just like, you know, like CT touch and I think it's kind of uphill battle, man. And, you know, it's going to be really, really, really tough for him to not only get inside on Klitschko, but, like, be consistent. You know, there's guys who've been who've hit him. I mean, it's not like Klitschko hasn't been hit throughout, like, the course, but it's just the consistency. Like, nobody can do it, you know. And, 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 and it's credit it's credit to just his, his boxing acumen, you know. Vladimir oh, has a problem with any heavyweight, and I think in any era, because of his style. I, I agree. I agree. I, mean, I agree. I used I to not Ali. think that. I used to not think that either. No, I, I loved Ali and Frazier and Foreman. He would be a problem for them. Oh, no. I, I would like to cut in there. Um, <laughs> CT, you made some, made some very excellent – both of you guys made some very excellent points. And I think the biggest imprint and change on his style the past maybe two years, I see a lot of, um, you know, um, Vitaly in him now. Like the way he fights, like I'm a big Vitali fan. I think I like uh, Vitali, yeah. Vitali or Vitali, he can he can fight in any era, and I always thought that his brother. I didn't know if his brother had the wherewithal to survive some of the more aggressive guys who would get up in his chest. Like um, Vitali destroyed, maybe you know he. I wouldn't say destroyed, but he could beat a Mike Tyson. But I don't think um, Vladimir has the wherewithal to deal with that type of pressure up in his chest. But I, I just want to say this, because that's, that's here and over there. The only thing that's going to be, you know, Vladimir Klitschko's retirement at this point. He's kind of adapted that uh, Vitaly style where it looks so awkward, and he'll like, it's like a cat fight. It's like a, he'll throw the jab, he'll stay tall. He used to didn't stay tall. He used to throw big, big jabs and try to throw big mm-hmm. power punches. He used to come in and out, he used to get caught. He'll, like, cat fight with you, clinch you, cat fight. And all he's doing is setting you up for little short hooks and, and right hands. Like, you know, and there's, there's a real awkward style that if Wilder, there is, a, there is like a one-punch chance because of athleticism and length. If he yeah. backwards and, and move and catch him, I still think that this is the little boy who gets hurt and doesn't know how to recover. Unlike his older brother, his older brother's a G. His older no, yeah. brother. <laughs> if that, if he wasn't cutting that eye, Lennox Lewis was getting knocked out that day. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was getting We're knocked out that day. His older brother's a G. His younger brother's not a G. If he gets, if he gets caught with something, it is not going to be um, the next fight. But that's the only way Wilder, if he's athletic, long on his back foot, floating around a ring and just popping. Because he sits there, if you sit in front of him and you and you fight at a normal pace, he's going to do that cat fight. He's going to throw the jab, throw the little, the little pity paw punches. But he's setting you up for the hook. And he's setting you up for the little over and right. Like he, he just, that's the only chance. But this fight, I, I, you know, I just think he, you know, he's going to be too dominant. The size, the height, yeah. the power. But I just don't agree with the every error. With his brother, I do, but not with him. The only, I mean, to, I mean, the thing with the thing with Vlad, I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, I agree. Vitaly was the tougher of the two. I mean, I mean, I, I don't think there's any disagreement there. But like, 
the thing with the thing with Vlad, I, I mean, I, I think like where he could fight in every year, and not to say he'll like win like every fight, but you know, kind of take into account like the size, you know, especially when you speak about heavyweights, you know, because that's like the only division in boxing where it's like the, the, a moderate heavyweight can knock out a big heavyweight. I mean, it's just that we've seen it happen. But the thing about it, I mean, when you look through history and you see like you know, and not even like guys like George Foreman and things like that. I mean, we've seen guys that weren't necessarily the biggest heavyweights, but they fought heavyweight and were successful. But like the way he fights, I could see him beating like certain guys. But I mean, I do agree. Like, I think you know, you, there, there are points where like you know, it would be trouble. I think Tyson really takes advantage of him with his with his speed and his aggression and the pre-fight fear. I think he, I think Tyson gets rid of him early. Because he's so long, and you know he has a habit of when he does get in hit, he leans back. You know, and he's so long and yeah. awkward. And, um, and he's corrected a lot of the mistakes he used to make in the past, but he can't handle the pressure of a Mike Tyson. His his brother, who turns very well and controls distance better, I think he would have you know more success against Tyson, and I don't think he would fear Tyson. But um, Vladimir would fear Tyson, in my opinion. Like, I still well, think that his chin is shady enough that if he gets hurt, you know, panic can set in. R.O.D., um, go ahead and chime in because I, I know you have something. Yeah, I, I, just, I just feel like, man, this fight is really unfair to, to Brian Jennings, man. I mean, you know, we we always talk about how David Reed got rushed in there with, with Felix Trinidad. We talk about how Vargas got rushed in there with Felix Trinidad. I mean, these guys, you know, Vladimir Klitschko's no Felix Trinidad. You know, he's on, he's like almost 40, but he hasn't lost a fight since 2004. Um, that was big Mike favorite fight against Lamont Brewster. But um, what's crazy, this guy only has 19 fights, and we're, we're throwing him in there right now. I just don't think that, you know, almost for the split decision his last fight, I just don't think that he's ready for this type of competition. And, you know, one of the things that Emmanuel Stewart did, you know, God bless his soul, he not only, as CT said, he not only turned around, and that was a great point. It's a point I always used. When you talk about good trainers, they help people to to adapt and adjust. Not only did he turn around, uh, you know, Vladimir Klitschko, he also turned around Lennox Lewis. Lennox Lewis was known to be chinny at first, too. And he helped him to use his stature and his size to fight more upright. And I forgot he trained Yep, and he used a jab, and Lennox has started using the jab, and Lennox was more academic in the way he fought versus being a ruffian. So I just feel like, you know, he's conti- he's continuing to carry that torch. He's fighting upright. It's going to be very hard to really get inside uh, of Vladimir Klitschko, man, unless you, you do something stupid, you know, like, you know, hit him in the nuts or something and, you know, whatever. But, like, this. Why, why not? Him. Why not? It's only one chance in the world. Why not? Why not? Yeah, but I just, don't think, <laughs> I just don't think he has. I just don't think that, you know, I want to go. I don't want to make it seem like this is a show that goes against Philly because we love Philly. That's where we're from. But I just don't feel like Bryant, you know, Jen is. What you talking about, the response, brother, dog? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But, you know, we just, we just not, you know, he's just not ready for this type of competition. I mean, we call, we, you know, at GYGB, you know, just a disclaimer, we call things as we see it. You know, I mean, we we might bleed Philly from the heart. We might have Eagles green and Sixers blue and Flyers orange, but you know what, and Philly's red, but you know what? At the end of the day, man, this guy's not, he's not ready, man, for this for this level of competition. We'll root him, 
but he's not yeah, ready. Yeah, just like just like a good friend to the show, uh, Eddie Chambers. Um, you know, I mean, Ba is bigger than Eddie, but still, Eddie got a shot at Klitschko as well a few years back, and we all know how that story ended. And I think sometimes what happened in boxing is that, you know, people. I mean, this is how these guys make their living, so you can't really fault them. Um, a Klitschko is a nice purse, a Klitschko fight. You know, uh, most people that get him, you're going to clear out close to a million dollars. So I think that's, from that perspective, is why they take the fight. And I agree that, you know, that this could be a career changer and it could, and it's somewhat unfair, but I think from a business perspective, I think this is probably – an okay move for Baba Jennings, especially with the landscape of the heavyweight division. The problem with heavyweight division is, and I'll never forget something Max Cullen said. He said the Klitschko's is almost fighting in like another weight class. You know, it's almost like you got a super heavyweight and then you got these regular heavyweights. The heavyweights that I'm accustomed to seeing, the guys that can give Klitschko problems that none of you out of here, nobody mentioned, a guy, a guy like Riddick Bowe, uh, a tall guy who could fight like a welterweight. You know, I think people forget how good Riddick Bowe was because the last memory we have of him is that Galata meltdown. But Riddick Bowe was a hell of a heavyweight. And yeah. Holyfield's another guy. You know, Holyfield's another. Holyfield, Lennox Lewis, and Riddick Bowe, um, those three heavyweights right there, uh, that, that, was the last, that was the last of the, of, you know, I give Klitschko's their credit. You know, I'm not taking anything away from them. But – those three guys, that was the last of the, the golden era of heavyweights, and that was in the 90s, those three guys right there. You know, once Tyson left, those three guys all fought each other. And I don't see anything like that walking through those doors. And if any, if nothing's like that's walking through those doors, even a guy wild, I know you guys are high on him, and I know I didn't pick him, but he's not Riddick Bowe. He's not none of those guys, in my opinion. Because those guys fought like little dudes. Like they can do anything a small guy can do. They was light on their feet. And you're talking about six-foot-something guys that can do everything in a ring a small guy can do. And I don't see people doing I don't see anybody like that coming along. I, yeah, I think the thing with Wilder, I think it's just, it's just like it, it really comes down to the fact that, like, we've been seeing Klitschko fighting, like, all these, I mean, small – I mean, heavyweights, but he's just like like you touched on. Like, he's just a very big heavyweight. So it, it's kind of like, at the, you know, there's really nobody there that's going to present any immediate, you know, danger to him. But I forgot who mentioned it. The, only, the thing with Wilder, it, yeah, it is the athleticism. And that that's kind of the only dynamic he hasn't seen from a heavyweight that size. You know, because well, the whole difficult got, thing is... He got all knockouts except for one fight. All his fights are knockouts except for the last fight, the burn. That's all yeah. knockouts. So that's the power that he needs. I, but I don't know, think I, that they're going to fight Klitschko. I think that what they're doing is they're going to create his own legend. I think that they're going to let Klitschko kind of ride off into the sunset. Uh-huh. And he's kind of going to create his own path. So, I'll, I, I mean. I think that's a travesty to boxing if he doesn't fight Wilder somehow. I think they got, yeah. that, that that's, I mean, I think, it's, I think it's going to happen as well, too, but. You look out there and you read. I mean, again, this could be all smoke mirrors. You know, they, you know, how boxing go. If they think a fighter's on his way out, the fight's going to happen. You know, but they're staying at saying basically that they they're not fighting him. No, that no need to fight him and right it's now. It's funny because Wilder is is actually on some Twitter beef. Him and Tyson Fury are trying to like stir things up. To be honest, yeah. You know they they're Which really is, they're really they're would, really yeah. like. 
they really need each other out. But you know what? You know, it's funny. I'm surprised none of you gentlemen had talked about how Shannon Briggs is doing the Antonio Tarver to him. Uh, I, I didn't give nah. him a minute. Yeah, that, what he's doing is like. Well, Shannon Briggs is trying to get paid. Everybody he's trying to get paid Shannon, and Twitter oh. followers. He's, like he kids followers. He's, trending on, he's trending on Instagram. Like, I have ch- young children coming up to me, asking me about <laughs> Shannon Briggs and is he good. My man, <laughs> can't ask me about Yo, him. Yo, I've met him, rent. man. I've met him. <laughs> Out here, he's having fun. I tell you, every time I look, he's in some like tropical island somewhere. So life is. Like, I'm, I, look, I'm not hey, mad. Hey, champ. Yeah. Have any of you guys ever seen Vladimir in person? No, I never saw him in person. I've no, but they, in, it, let me I've seen you, him I in person him too. Person. He's huge, dude. Yeah, I saw him in person. That guy is huge. Max called him super heavyweights. You know, he always has those specialty drinks. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But he got Gosh. the Ivan Dra- he got the Ivan Drago special. Trust. Me. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, he got you know doesn't he have a degree in like sports science or something like that? They oh, all had these. Like, him and his brother, they're doctors. Yeah, they have the PhDs. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, but 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 just back to the point of the discussion. No, I just in, think in that Russia, in Russia, if you go to school like for more than three weeks, you can get a PhD though. For real. Like fifty, <laughs> like fifty cents. Oh, Phoenix, all that thing. I forget the all that thing. But um, yeah, Baba Jennings. If you look at the tail of the tape, it's like, huh? But this... it just go. You know, it goes back to train. It's funny. It goes back to what these old heads said, and, and it goes back to our beginning conversation. You know, two topics ago, the journeymen of yesteryear would kill the division of this year. Like. I got Ron Lyle giving a motivated Ron Lyle, a motivated George Foreman after he's seen God in the dressing room giving Klitschko work. Like, seriously. I don't agree. Big John Tate. Big John Tate. Thank you. Big John Tate. I got these guys giving giving Klitschko. I I think people forget because Tyson came along and it was a storm. But there was some pretty decent heavy. It was a weird like here goes somebody that would have. I'm and I just think this guy had the best jab ever in the history of boxing. Larry Holmes, Larry Holmes, a prom Larry oh, Holmes, Larry Holmes. <laughs> Nobody ever talks about Larry when it comes to these kind of discussions because people's memory are aged. Very underrated. People, they only guys, think of him getting knocked out by Tyson. But let me let me point something out. Ron Lyle, all those guys in the '70s were warriors. But none of them ever faced somebody that was six six and six seven, two fifty five. When you see the physicality, the difference in physicality, it's a problem. That's it is. But CT, let me ask you something. Let me ask you something real quick. Let me get this real fast. CT, the only thing you're right. The only reason why Coltrane not needing them guys is because when you look, when you talk about being pressed, when you talk about the guys that really pressed Klitschko. Those were the guys that, that that took some and didn't care about getting hit. They just kept coming and they were going to land some stuff. And that like was prior even Sam, to Emmanuel, that's prior to Emmanuel. But I'm but I'm telling. But listen, Sam Peter, even when he had Say, Emmanuel, Sam, landed Sam some Peter stuff. Sam Peter was during the Emmanuel era. <laughs> Peter pressed. <laughs> yeah, he pressed him and and he hit him. And I'm going to tell you something. Ron Lyle was the type of person. Remember, these guys were doing prison stints, coming out like, listen, I don't care. I'll fight I God remember. Himself. Like, like we gonna we gonna get on. He wanted to kill George Foreman. He's but like, you Man, know I'm, I, I just got a prison. So I I really believe that these guys would have walked through 
that junk that that Kushner. That was a great fight too, by the way. And would and would have really hurt this guy, man. These guys and they had skill. These journeymen had skill back then. They knew what a jab was. They knew how to move. Man, I'll be watching up. Classic Sports Network, not just with heavyweights. You, you can, it, I don't care who's fighting and what fight it is. The skills, just knowing how to move and throw a jab and pivot, it's just like it's. you just don't see it. That, I don't know. It's just NFL like, right now, that's why. You don't think Vladimir's skilled? No, no, I ain't talking about bottom. I'm just talking about boxing as a whole. I'm just talking oh, okay. about general. But I was going to say something about Klitschko, somebody that I, her opinion I respect highly. He's no longer with us. Uh, he was a trainer in the sport, and I asked him about Klitschko, and he agreed up with a lot what you're saying, CT. He said the one thing, and this goes for both brothers, he said the one thing that he noticed about the Klitschko brothers was about their neck. He said they got they had pencil necks. And he said that these bigger these guys that we're talking about now, he said that he could see in, 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 in you know, in an alley, alley fight type of fight, that that will become a factor. He said that the neck is, is, is something that's very underrated when you're talking about boxing, you know, because it's connected to your head, obviously, not to get too scientifical, but he said their necks is, 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 is something that he see it's, you know, saw as a handicap. Right. In what so, way? I don't know. How was the neck a handicap? I'm trying to understand that. Well, when well, you look at Mike that's... Tyson, when you look, at, you know, one thing, and I, I try that. When you look at Mike Tyson, you, we, the one thing we always remember is how he was doing those wrestler bridges, and, and they would be amazed. You see the Sports Illustrated picture; he'd be on his neck, and everybody talked about how his neck was like 20 inches, man. Got you. And they, okay, I got you. But and, Mike and Tyson had problems with big fighters. He, he had did problems. because it, he did. But when you talk about just when you talk about just his neck, we just talking about the neck now. When you talk about his neck, they a lot of people believe that was the reason why Mike was able to absorb a lot of punches, man. Like his yeah. head wasn't going nowhere. This boy had the neck of a bulldog. If you see, if you see a lot of trainers and boxers, they'll have this headpiece with this weight around their neck. They're trying to, they're trying to strengthen their neck muscles when they do that's that. That's like Floyd does the same thing. Yeah, Floyd does that. Yeah, that's for that's for getting hit, and that's that's like you the know, neck the is very cool for in boxing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I just thought my, about my, it. My, my, my son is boxing right now. He does that. And, and, right. that's a, and that's a good thing. Those neck Yeah, my man Rob Murray, I never thought about it either until he told me about, you know, about how critical, uh, you know, working on your neck muscles is. Hey, uh, hey, CT, I just want to let you know, I'm just looking. I just did something real fast. Which you know, mean? I just want to remind you that uh, touch of sleep, <laughs> no pun intended, he knocked down Vladimir Klitschko, if you remember. I remember, remember touch of sleep. Yeah, remember he remember he knocked him down, Big Mike. He hit him. Yeah, and, uh, almost had, and that was with Emmanuel Stewart. He hit him with some bull crap. He almost had him out of there. So I yeah. know for a fact that Ron Lyle, a motivated Ron Lyle, just got a prison with kill Vladimir. <laughs> 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 um, Yo, but what happens? When, but what happens when Ron Lyle gets hit though? He's he gonna keep coming. You saw what happened with I mean, George. But that's George the thing, hit him. He got up. He got about the fight, man. Yeah. That's the thing I know, about Foreman, him, though. Is, Foreman is the, was probably one of the hardest hitters in boxing. The hardest history. hitters. He got I mean, up. He said, he said, I didn't care. He said, listen, I just got a prison. I don't care. You're talking, about, you're talking about people like Ron Lyle, Ernie Shavers. These guys, yeah, they were warriors. Ernie Shavers could punch like a mule, but he wasn't that, very skilled. He wasn't, but I'm just saying. And you know what? Neither was Lamont Brewster or DeVarro Stevenson, but these guys. Right, right. These yeah, guys, when they, the touch, I know. when they touch Lamont, when they touch, Vladimir Klitschko for some reason, he start yeah. panicking. Like, you know, these guys didn't care about getting jabbed. See, most of these guys today, when they start getting jabbed by Vladimir, they start, they start retreating. The guys back then, 
They will go through a jab. These journeymen we talking about will go through a jab and try to yep. kill you. Lamont Brewster, that was a brilliant fight. His mom just died. And remember, 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 Rod and I, we, 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 we were watching the pre-fight, and he was like, I'm going to kill you. But you know what? But wait a minute. <laughs> you got to realize, you know what? Wait a minute. When I was watching that fight, when, when I was watching that fight, now you have to remember, Vladimir was putting it on Brewster. It sure was. And, and it sure he was. Ran out, when he ran out of gas, nah. ran, when he ran out of nah. gas, that's when Brewster started to come back. Let me but tell you something. That's, so that's, that's fine you say that. That's fine you say that. But let me tell you something. It wasn't the fact that he ran out of petrol. It was a punch that did that. And he didn't run out of gas on the side of the road. He got clipped with something. That's and he was sitting exactly. he was sitting on them ropes like, yo, man, you know what? I'm I'm that's cool. Right. And don't remember, let's not forget, let's not forget Corey Sand Corey Sanders, rest in peace, who was a scratch golfer. He was a golfer. This guy came back out of shape just from a from a you talk about Biff? He came from a frat party. He had a stomach. He was out of shape. This boy had hair on his chest like a caveman. He he knocked he knocked out Klitschko in two rounds. That's what he had. Okay. Hold on. I'm going. I'm going to give you that. I'm going to give you that. Hold on. Hold on. My son. My my son spars twice a week, and he tells me all the time. He said, once you get hit hard, you run completely out of gas at that point. And it's like something's about your body when you get hit. You better tell Preventnikov because he didn't run out of gas. (laughs) I just think the way he Klitschko hasn't fought anybody who's, who fights backwards and can uh, give him angles, and he's long enough to keep a jab in his face and hit him with big right hands from a distance. Like I think a lot Wilder of guys win. in front of him. I, I think Wilder might be the one if he, yeah. he, he wait him out a little bit, get a little old. That movement. I'm just thinking about the way he fought his last fight, the way he was fighting off the ropes, the way. He, he was he was uh, gliding around that ring in a way he delivers his punches from a distance, and he has that height and that length. I would pick Wilder to win that fight. Wilder I has a Wilder shot, and I think Klitschko still has that shady chin. So if he could deliver a big shot from distance, which he usually does, you know it's going to be a totally different fight. Like once once Klitschko is hurt, because I don't think he's going to recover for it. But you know that remains to be seen. But I just wanted to put that two cents in because I said only retirement. Would probably be Klitschko, but I'm I'm thinking Wilder has the biggest shot to the, to actually the throne. I think they want to make that fight as far as like Wilder's side of things because I mean when you really look at it, it, it as far as the two names, I mean they can really make that a big fight. The only problem again, I mean I I hate to keep touching on it is really just the whole HBO factor and and Al Heyman and that that whole situation, but. I mean, would you? I think that is the best scenario. I mean, with the exception of whatever would happen in the Tyson Fury fight, whatever you guys think about that, and and, and Wilder if that happens first. But 
you know, that they could really sell that fight, you know, and, and, and for like could. years we've been, we, we've been seeing like, all right, who the hell can we match Klitschko up with? And, and it's funny. I think at one point, this was like months ago, like he, I forgot who he fought, not his last fight, but the fight before, like I literally forgot that fight was on. And that's kind of the point. I think a lot of us have gotten on with Klitschko because there's really nobody there, man. So I, I think, think we, we I the think, only, I yeah, think I think Wilder is a, a big fight that they can make. I think the reason why they're having that fight in New York is the way to bring Klitschko back to the American eye. Yeah, I, I totally fight. agree. And I think they're setting that fight up because if he gets past this fight, I think conceivably that could be the next big pay-per-view event in Vegas because they wouldn't bring Klitschko all the way here when uh, to fight. Uh, no, no disrespect. A Jennings, basically, you know, uh, you know, a, a glorified journeyman. When there's a Wilder out there who had an impressive victory over Stavern for 12 rounds, hurt him a number of times. I, and the reason why they brought him over here to New York, I think it's going to be uh, they're setting it up for a big American fight. Nobody can watch Chris Cole fight now unless they sometime in the afternoon. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's it's a difficult thing. When you fight in Europe, you go in obscurity, but I think it could be a big fight here. And I think also, too, the pressure. I mean, I, I don't think there'd be pre- Well, I think really it would be more pressure on Deontay Wilder's side to, because at this point, I mean, <laughs> Klitschko is the man. You know, it's not it, – I mean, the green strap is, is one thing. I mean, but just like we've seen in other divisions, I mean, did we know who the – the champion of the world is. And not only that, but like when you look at, uh, I mean, we can't count the United States per se, but with Klitschko, I mean, when in Germany, they're selling out what 60,000 seat arenas as far as like how big of a seller he is. So, I mean, bringing them to the United States, I mean, I think they want to kind of get that. I mean, I, I mean, not to that level, but they, they do have to get consistently. Like, uh, yeah, you, and you make, you make a valid point. I think a lot of it still comes down to the economics and the marketability of these fighters. And if they want to get yeah. Klitschko to move back up to primetime slots, they have to make sure they put him in there with some uh, uh, American names or recognizable. Is it by Jennings? That's debatable. And we'll see this weekend. And now yeah. I guess after that, the ultimate matchup to be made will be Klitschko and Deontay Wilder for all the marbles, all the belts, and then you'll get a finally you'll get a unified champion, and then that'll be another chapter in, in the heavyweight uh, folklore. But we, we've had a great night tonight. We we had a, a very spirited discussion. We had some good uh, insight on sat, last Saturday's recaps on the HBO and Showtime cards. Um, we we covered some of the controversial statements that are probably going to be a controversy, which was Floyd with Stephen A. Smith um, making a statement uh, regarding his legacy and where he sees himself historically. And we we covered from uh, we covered the boxing IQ aspect of this upcoming Floyd Mayweather Manny Pacquiao fight on May second. Uh, we have one more show prior to the main fight on May 2nd, and that's going to be next Monday. We're going to talk. We, we Hopefully, we'll wrap it up with the final intangible, and then everybody's going to come on board uh, after we recap the fight from the next, uh, this coming weekend. We're going to get on here, and we're going to uh, reveal our picks. So make sure you tune in at 9.30 p.m. on TalkShoe.com, Block Talk Radio, ID 63796. Make sure you're following all of our social media profiles. There's Garja Grill Boxing. On Instagram, also Guard Your Grill Boxing on Twitter, and the hashtag is GYGB. 
We always have updates. Stay tuned. I want to thank all the fellas that came on here. Train, Roberto, Flag, Big Mike, Sleep, Ride or Die, and CT from Southern California. We're signing off. GYGB. Talk to you guys later.
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.